Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Yeah, so how's it going? It's going really, really, really good. August Sinjin Tate, episode 113. Honored to have you. We are honored to I'm have you. You're like beyond. Uh, thank. This is a blessing, man. Thank you, guys. This oh, is brilliant. Man, it's brilliant, a, brilliant. It's a blessing for us. I mean, you're so talented, man. Did you know the Vallejo brothers? I did. I did. <laughs> uh, Alabamian institution. <laughs> yeah, I love those guys. They're um. They're. they're I. I knew them. Uh, cursory. We. I mean, we knew each other, and we we hung out, and they were really sweet. So everybody in Birmingham is really sweet. I, I like love them. Very Birmingham. nice. Yeah, I do too. My the, guitar the players. Nick and all that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, because I lived in Atlanta for four years, and yeah. you would tour and go to the Nick. Yeah, exactly. In the middle know? of nowhere. Right. Atlanta was cool. Venue? Yeah, it's a venue that used to be like a Seven Eleven, exactly. Or, you know, and it's that's where we actually first show as Remy. We played there, really. Yeah, that was where we there, and then the place where the Vallejo played. Is it is, the size of a Seven Eleven? Yes. Yeah. Imagine but they it, just took out the groceries. But a great venue. It's just really cool. The same, like I don't know. It has the a, Nick. It Pam's, has a soul. The Nick. Pam Stallings uh, runs it. It's, she's, it's amazing. And then you would go to Huntsville mm-hmm. and play the Tip Top. Yeah, Tip Top. <laughs> Flashback right now. Because I was just I, I just got back a couple weeks ago. I was in. Atlanta, Birmingham, and Nashville, and uh, it was really cool to visit all my old places. You know, what were you doing? Kind of on a just a seeing my family, you know, and just in the worst time on earth. So mm-hmm. I was just going from my mom's in Nashville, uh, all my friends, you know, my old guitar players down in Birmingham, and, right. and then my brother and um, some people in, in Atlanta. And your mom's an artist. Yeah, she played string bass in the symphony when she was like fifteen, and but um, she. She grew up uh, rough Scrabble, so uh, she didn't have a time to kind of really. What's rough Scrabble? That. She had to take care of kids. It was you know we were not um, economically blessed, so she worked right. at the phone company. But she was a great poet and just amazing. So. And your dad was a poet too. Artist, painter. Oh, so that was reversed mm-hmm. in, the, in the info. My bad. When when did he pass? He passed when I was about sixteen, seventeen, I think, because uh, he lived in Atlanta, so we would always go back and forth. Mm. Okay, I got to say something really quickly on record. Okay. You're amazing. And this is such a flipping <laughs> yeah. honor to sit and talk to you. So Thank there you. There you go. I really, I really respect you. your music, and it's really great. Well, it's uh, shared respect. Oh, uh, did we ever meet at Real World? I mean, did you record at Real, War- Real no, World? No, um, but uh, Botchel, who produced uh, Villa, he was always there. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I met him way back in the day. Love I him. Mean, He's just a great guy. All around good guy, man. Yeah. We've been really lucky to um just we we've dealt with just really great people. A lot of people have so many horror stories and I have nothing but you know, I have really good people in our lives, both on the industry side and uh musicians that we met. It's just really beautiful, I think. Yeah. The record he produced for you guys is yeah. is exceptional. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Where'd you guys record that? Uh in LA and uh some in LA and some in Atlanta. Oh, okay. And uh, it was the Villa Elaine record, and yeah, Botchel's just great, man. I have nothing but great things to say about that guy. What did he bring to you? Um, you know what's great is um, he gave us just enough room to kind of create on our own. And, you know, we had our little Neve board, and we had a 2-inch 16-track, and so we were kind of uh, able to run that world, you know. But he let us kind of go crazy, but then... <laughs> 
a bad analogy is like catch her in the rat where he'd pull us back mm-hmm. and he just it was really good you know he's 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 just re- and he brought a good like um an influx of energy you know i, I just like him a lot who His, mi- who mixed that record he did and so did um uh flood okay because we had a lot of tracks and you know he flood did my bloody valentine who we were obsessed with you know yeah those kind I, of people. i'm obsessed with them too oh kevin shield man kevin shield we met him we met so many people back in when we were little kids in Alabama, and uh, we he, they played at what's the venue by the Junkman's Daughter in Atlanta? The it's, Point. It's, no, no, no. It's no. It's further out. It's an institution where the guy from the Cramps broke the stage. They have three levels uh, dance floor. That's uh, uh, the Masquerade. The Masquerade. And uh, we met them after a show there, and you know, here we are, kids from Alabama, and they're in the back of our like broken down somebody's mom's Nissan, and, mm-hmm. and it's like Kevin Shields sitting there, he's just falling asleep with cigarettes. It was just. It was so cool. Him and his wife, uh, Anne Marie. I met him at a festival in Spain. Really? Yeah, and I went up to him and asked him, like, "Are you gonna ever make another record?" <laughs> and then I asked him about what was the secret to getting that sound he had. Yeah. And he said he got a guitar that had this amazing whammy bar. Right. And then I realized, yeah, everything's bending all the time. Yeah. But I, I'd never heard up until that moment that something sonically that threw me for a loop i would just right. that was his own thing now anyone who does that it's just kevin shields you know it is it's just a unique little uh, everything's like kind of mm. inside out and upside yeah. down like it, it feels like the tape's stopping or slowing you know it's just really brilliant and you know all the distortion too gets all those weird reverbing overtones it's like, mm-hmm. so cool man i love those guys yeah, it's interesting, like, back in the day, back, like, then, the way people made records and what they were going for yep. is different than now. There like, was this weird feeling of, like, things happening. You know, you would go on one side, and you had, like, kind of the Nirvana world, and you had My Bloody Valentine, or Stone Roses, or just so many great things, or, you know, Mazzy Stars, and just Cocteau Twins. I mean, there was so mm. many strange things, you know. I guess everyone says that at their, what, there's a certain age everyone hits, and that's, like, your age, right, you know, yeah. music. But those big studio albums, like that was like when we were coming up, mm-hmm. that was what happened if you got lucky enough to mm-hmm. be involved in To get that. in there. You know, nowadays it's like ki- like kids with laptops, which and is still it's great. killer, right. like, but it's just a whole different experience, I think. It's strange for me to uh, have, a, you know, I have a Pro Tools on my laptop and I have a Logic on a laptop. And when I start playing with Logic and some of these other things, it's like so fail-proof. Mm-hmm. That you could just hit anything. It's like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, just preset, preset, <laughs> preset. And it's like, yeah. man, you know, if you wanted backwards reverb, you had to like mark the tape, flip it, you know, and redo it and send it to an alternate track. And mm-hmm. there was something fun about that. So any effect or idea, you had to really commit to it. You know, you had mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to be up for two hours just for this one thing rather than just saying, that doesn't sound good. It sounds good. You know, not yeah. to disparage it because <clears throat> I do it all the time. I love it now. <laughs> And then you're in a studio that costs two thousand yeah, dollars a day with right. like a producer. Like if you have like a you know a record company backing you, so but many toys. I was listening to um, Villa Elaine, uh. and I was just like, it took me back, and it and I made me it made me think about like, because it's so emotional, you know. And that used to be what everyone was going for, like right. this emotional reveal, yeah. You know, and I don't feel like it's the same. Mm-hmm anymore like it doesn't feel as emotional music seems to be i don't know less emotional cleaned up somehow i don't know why that is no i I completely exactly see where you're coming from 
Yeah. So you never made it out to real real world. No, I, I can't wish. say that. <laughs> that was kind of. Did you go to the room that had the water underneath the? Yeah. Floor? <laughs> I mean, I lived I lived there for months and months because I right. made. Now now it's switching. Know, now I don't like you anymore. Two <laughs> or three records. I was out. so jealous. Oh, I was signed to Peter Gabriel's label. Yeah. So you know, it was like the home home base basically. That's brilliant, man. That's so great. Yeah. Which was, records did you do there? I did Big City Secrets. No. I did part of Come to Where I'm From. I did part of Redemption Sun was all mixed there. The day 9-11 happened right. was the day Chad Blake was mixing that record. Oh, no, yeah. Did you ever work with him? No, but I know I know him. I met him very very briefly, you know. Right. Where'd you meet him? I thought for some reason I say Atlanta. But um, we kind of met a lot of people. To be honest, in a lot of that time, I was kind of living in the ether you know i was kind of here and there you know so but we would need a, a an influence what do you mean by that you were on drugs well <laughs> no no um, <laughs> what do you mean by living well in just the ether? i, I kind of I, I <laughs> no i've been blessed with a um a, a, i think you're still in the ether now so no <laughs> no 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 i but i did i used to drink a lot you know so but i don't drink anymore not at all total sobriety total sobriety not even weed I have no idea what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's okay. That's I mean, fine. You know, whatever no, works for you. I actually am uh, completely sober on it, and I, it, it's really good. I actually did something recently that was just foolish. It's, I was taking a Cymbalta, or antidepressants, for a long time. And See, I just came out of cancer, and so I had surgeries after surgeries, chemo, and then more back surgeries, and, and you know, I'm still... Com it's really hard for me for the neuropathy because as a musician, I don't. I can, this is just constant pain. So every chords and piano is just brutal. And um, you're still in constant pain. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But um, you know, I just got off of everything and not drinking. But I, I decided to just quit some uh, antidepressants, cold turkey. And everybody said that's the worst idea you can think of, and it was. It just sent me into a spiral. So I'm I'm coming out of a depression, but I'm off those now, which is great because I felt like it was just. It was just numbing me. It just right. it kept not numb, but not in a, not in that good sense of numb, but more of you you could sense there was a storm brewing right behind that, you know. Right. So it, it was just really scary, and I just would rather try to temper myself naturally than than that way. Cymbalta wise, Cymbalta, terrible, terrible. What's that's a antidepressant? antidepressant. Yeah, because I guess they like like get you out of a bad situation. That's why. Yeah. But then they stop working as well, and then you're numb. You're supposed to take them and then wean off, but usually right. they're given to you, and then it's just kind of like, all right, see you later. And so you as an individual, it's just kind of, you just keep getting them refilled. You know, right. It was, it was a really dark period, uh, and that was during my whole trek, you know, last three months. So when did you just, when did you jump off those? About three months ago. Oh, okay. And that was right when I was going to visit my mom, and, and you know, there's a lot of issues at home and a lot of, and I wanted to see my friends, you know, that I hadn't seen in a long time. But it was strictly chemical. I could see, I could see myself doing things that just weren't me. I could, I was cognizant enough to think this is really strange, you know. Like what? I just, yeah, I just, I mean, honestly, I just was drinking like crazy. I fell completely off the wagon. And, oh, I see. And uh, but I got really dark and just, you know, I just was just doing bad things. I mean, I, I was just really on a, I was on a mission to just erase myself from this planet, you know, and, and yet my mind was like, this is insanity because I'm, that's so not my personality. Right. I'm very, very much like, I, I see like really cool things in this world, you know, 
And I have this little monkey man. He's five years old. Mm -hmm. His name's Atticus Arrow Lucian Tate. And I love him more. The sun and the moon is the best. I had to say that. Congratulations. I know. He's great. He loves me. And I have a beautiful wife, Sarah. And so, But I just went crazy. You know? Is she the mother? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. She's an incredible artist. Like, insane. She's amazing. And you guys are just, like, raising him in Jersey. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pass me a drink. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're in constant pain, it's like forgivable that you would like, right. I don't know, fall off. It's been brutal, you know, I mean, uh, and just trying to do it in natural, you know, it's been really hard. Do you know like Pema Chodron? Yeah. I don't know, but I know of. Right. You yeah. know of yeah. her? Do you watch her videos? I, or? I've seen some and um, like we took uh, most of the stuff we, uh, it was me and some friends. We were living in Cambodia for about a year and that's where I went with my wife there and my brother it was amazing. And um, I mean, I say I'm Buddha. I, it, I've been so bad. At, I, I took the Bodhisattva vow, you know, in, in L.A. And, but I, I haven't behaved well at all. Not, not in terms of well, externally. None of, us, none of us have behaved well, Sijin. <laughs> <laughs> We're sinners. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> That's the point, <laughs> you know. Oh, man, it's beyond, yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to forgive ourselves. We can edit this, right? <laughs> yeah, we haven't started yet. Okay, good, because, yeah, I went, I went bleak, man. I was like. It was dark, and yeah, I've been horrible. But it's just from the pain that you went dark. Well, the quit. Uh, it was. Um, they says it can send you into psychosis, and you know I'm a structure. Yeah, itself. leaving it and just uh, cold turkey, you know. And I'm, I'm a structure that's not really up to code anyway. So the slightest little wind, it, it just knocked me off off course. And I got dark, man. And and to be considering the suicide and doing these things is totally opposite of who I am. It's just not me. Yeah, but there's a lot of pressures in the world right now. It's and brutal. You, and you right? going through what you're going through, it's like... And to wake up every morning and just think, ah, oh, I'm hurting. But to be honest, I'm on the upswing. I've, I've been um, exercising again and feeling really good. So yeah. I mean, I'm trying to balance it with um, the positivity that I'm feeling. And I, I do see a lot of really golden things. And I've started painting and writing music again, so I'm happy. That's great. Yeah, it's cool. Is the cancer completely in remission? Is it gone? Yeah, yeah. well... Um, the one that um, the one that I had, they they did some surgeries and took out like my rectum lymph nodes and uh, had some surgeries on my vertebrae and stuff. Mm. And I still had my my port, you know, because I did the chemo and radiation thing. The problem happened. My back had always hurt, and I I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but uh, my back was always hurting, you know, and I was always hurting very badly. So I uh, when I did this the chemo and radiation is when the neuropathy happened. Mm -hmm. And like I, I've broken my toes a few times and not even known it. What's neuropathy? It's where um, your nerves are just burnt when when they give you chemo and radiation. It's such poisons that right. it just burns them, you know. And usually it, it just like it's one side or the other. Usually, and my whole left side is just like fried. Like, imagine your funny bone being hit at all times, so Fuck. it just hurts all the way. You know. When you're going through something like that, do you think like why mm -hmm. like do you like? ask god like are you forsaking me or, like do you feel like you're being <laughs> punished brute. or you know what i mean yeah I, um, does it do you take it personally or like do you explore like why is this happening to me i i yeah you know it's interesting that's a really good question i i'd never think of it in terms of asking some external power like why are you doing this to me because i mean it's I, there's so many aspects you know i could have taken care of, of myself but it's also could be my father passed away from that genetically you know? right but i just um what i ask myself is usually what can i do about this right now you know how am i going to get through this day 
you know, how that's am I going to get through? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. you think long-term, that's when I fracture. I mean, I'm not like this. I don't have a long, I kind of have a, like a hummingbird mind where I do, and thankfully where I can think about things only to, you know, very shallow indie up to a point. And then when I hit that, it's like, luck, my mind just turns off like a breaker, you know, almost like a defense mechanism. If mm -hmm. it's too much, it just flips it. And then I'm able to kind of just see something great about the day, you know, or about something, you know, try to turn my mind. I don't know. I'm just not going to question it too much because that's what got me through my whole life, childhood and everything. You know? What techniques do you use to flip the switch? <laughs> like Usually I just do that, um, that calming meditation thing where you have, it's, you have to catch yourself in between breaths. You know, it's something that's so close to you that it's closer than breath. So you have to kind of catch yourself in between words. And if I just do it for a few minutes, it really, it's magic. In fact, when I do sit down and meditate, my whole life changes. If I can wake up, if I have the time in the morning to just wake up and do that, it's brilliant, you know. What do you mean catch yourself between breaths? Catch myself before I immediately, like if someone says something I, or something happens, your first response is to react. Right. React. And so if I have pain, rather than saying, ouch, that hurts, or that's bad, you catch yourself and just say, okay, that's an extreme feeling. You know, uh -huh. it's not, I'm not categorizing it bad or good. It's just like, wow, that's, that's, you know, as soon as you start applying those things, you put it in that category. This is good. This is bad. Uh -huh. And so I try to catch myself in those moments where if something's hugely painful, I try to not just categorize it as bad or if something's, you know, before I react to say a statement of somebody's, if I'm upset, I try to catch myself real quick and think, okay, I'm reacting out of anger. And rather than just sling bows and arrows at each other, like, okay, what's, what's going on here you know i always try to have like, calm situations and it's good and bad you know but i'm still human and I, I i make a lot of mistakes you know i try to be better you know i do try to be better for everyone mostly you know the people i love you know well we all do <laughs> <laughs> you ever use metacognition like observing yourself like for instance if you got this pain yeah you go like who has this pain? Who's Brilliant. asking who? Who yes. has this pain? You trace it back. So you just keep up leveling your perspective. Brilliant. You ever do that? Yes. Do you do that? I try to. That's magic. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Because you have to see what um, what defines you. Who is the you? And and it takes you down to the fact that you that you are just transitory. You're you're the yeah. whole everything you think of. When I was younger, that was really hard pill to swallow. That everything that you think of is unique and amazing is really just. It's gonna fade away, you know, and mm -hmm. and I, and that could relate to like ghosts who hang on to their identity and they live, you know, even when they pass, they're like this identity and this ego is so strong that they just wander. And uh, there is something that's behind it though, and I think it's brilliant when you take those exercises. And even if it's not like you don't gain anything, you're not gonna to get to the point where it's like ah, oh, you know, I'm there. But that little bit of time that you do that affects every other area in your life. So mm -hmm. treat it like. You know, if you go on this big journey, like, I'm going to find myself. If you start focusing on something else, you accidentally find yourself, you know? Mm. it's uh, It just gives you that second to kind of pause and, and think. I love games like that. Those are really cool. Yeah. Well, it's like a meditation yeah. technique, it's I brilliant. guess. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. He did uh, uh, The Power, uh, Power of Now, and they did... Uh, no, that's Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle. He, he did... Um, oh, shit, sorry. I have his book. Um, uh, Becoming Supernatural. Oh, no, there was... That's, you Are the Placebo. What's, there's one more. The very first one, it had the whole work set with it. Yeah, I don't know that changing, one. Uh, it's like, uh, oh, changing the habit of being, being yourself. Being yourself. That's the one I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, he's brilliant. 
There's a lot of people in that whole new scene where um, people who have the, and you know, very hardcore scientists too, who say that consciousness pre, pre uh, is a precursor to uh, physicality. Right. Versus the mind creating it, uh, versus uh, the brain creating mind. It's the mind creating, or consciousness creating the brain. Right. It's pretty brilliant. I love that. Yeah, I I was in a deep like work with that kind of stuff. I I want to get back to it, right. but like just manifesting and stuff like that and yeah, visualizing it and and I guess he discovered all of it when he broke his back in the hospital. Wow, you know I that do remember. Story? Yeah, I remember he he touches on it in that. Right. Tell me, like what? How did you find that? I mean, what brought you to that? Trauma. <laughs> yeah no of course Cut from the same you cloth. don't you don't Black go cloth. into things like that. yeah you're not running it. you're not motivated to do those kind of things unless you're in some kind of deep right. sort of pain painful state right. if know. everything was sunshine and flowers you'd, you'd be no problem be kicking right it. you like, love you're it not, you're not gonna mess around with <laughs> what that. are you doing today not rocking the boat kicking it. <laughs> you know um, not to uh, dive too deeply, but um, when was this? Like, how is is this a, a uh, like four or five years ago? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And you know, it it returns as well. It's like yeah. uh, something, you know, and it's almost like a gift in a way because it actually, you know, it centers you back into a sort of spiritual journey exactly. rather than just sort of like getting by days, right? You know, and then that feels more vital. And then even the fall takes on a new meaning. You know, you know, if it comes cyclical and you're in this zone, even when you fall, you don't fall as hard, and you also can look at it enough to where you're not fighting it, but you can get some songs out of it. You know, it's it's you know you're going to kind of go dark at some point, but yeah, it's not like trying to find that point where you no longer exist in the Buddha field. You know, in the life. Right. But that's fascinating to me, man. I love that. Yeah, it's great for creativity. Yeah. Are you in that zone right now, or have you? I'm in a I'm in a zone right now where <laughs> a I'm, zone <laughs> where I'm dealing with stuff and like yeah. and working on you know working hard to overcome things. Uh, new trauma. You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> she was on the yeah. other front, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, you could say that. I'm I mean, sorry about that. Yeah, but. It's it just I don't know it kind of like awakens something in you that yeah. feels powerful and makes you not sorry for it right because then you think everything happens for a reason brilliant you know there's a, that magic thing is when when I discovered that everyone discovers it for their own but when I discovered that I'm kind of exactly where I'm supposed to be and I have exactly what I'm supposed to have it seems small it's like a mental thing but when you know that it has such ripples that it, it scares me for a little while to think I've, I'm so used to striving because I felt lack, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's, whether it's in the, my career or life or, you know, everything. And, uh, it was revolutionary to have that. And of course I lose it so many times throughout the day. It's yeah, gone, of course. You know? So y when you first got your cancer diagnosis, then you went into a state of like deleting social media and all that stuff mm -hmm. and left the world and just left the world what was that like um it, it was interesting um I, I i it's hard to say because during the majority of that time that whole few years i was kind of i wasn't uh cognitive you know i was it wasn't like i took this really great uh retreat i wouldn't have known how to even get on facebook at this point you know between constant surgeries the pain and the medications you know it's just and you it's know, gotta focus and, on you, right? And I have a, a newborn at this moment. You know, this all happened at the same time, and um, but I, only recently am I really 
starting to see coming out of it you know and and starting to like rejoin the world and stuff and it feels really good i, I actually feel more positive and um grounded than i have in a while because it's easy for me to kind of flight up you know i can see something and get like um but on a side note um with everything that's going on with you right now are you working right now are you writing are you in, a, mm-hmm. in that space oh so that's a good space to be in yeah i just moved and i'm writing oh, i'm writing a lot of poems magic and, right yeah and lots of music so i love that man there's nothing better when you do that it's true it's it there's something vital about it it's those moments that, that i always feel like i'm i'm not searching because i just know i'm right everything's good you know mm-hmm. when you're writing or you're doing something i don't feel that lack you know it's like i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be i'm working and you're not you don't have time to even think of it you're that feeling of like thinking okay i gotta stay up all night just because that one guitar part or something you know you lay down but you can't sleep and you get it's just magic man yeah my identity is so wrapped up in that that when that inevitable drought comes it takes with me you know it takes my self-worth and my my sanity with it you know because when i'm not in that streak yeah i just feel vacant you know yeah. But when I'm on it, I'm writing a song a day and a drawing a day. You know, it's cool. Yeah, Herman has said the best things are born from necessity. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I always think about that. So how did you find out about cancer the same day you found out your well, wife was pregnant? My wife had known, and um, it was just, you know, she was uh, had taken a test. And it was, you know, right at that same area where I had just gotten this. I didn't even think they were going to come back with results. I thought they were going to say, you're fine. And it was... It was that, and I was like, man, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to do chemo, because I watched it destroy my father, and I'm not going to do surgeries, I'm just going to let nature take its course, and, and I'll fight it and do uh, all natural, but then um, I found out she was pregnant, and so it's like, I don't, I'm trying to process two different things here, you know? Those are heavy things to heavy. process. And everything just kind of, like a typewriter, when you hit too many um, keys, keys at once, and it's jams, you know, yeah. it's just like... Pfft. Yeah, <laughs> a typewriter for you kids. These I days. remember <laughs> that. That's such a weird an- analogy. With I know they, they, do, they cross. You have to pull them all back. It, was, it always happened too when I get excited, like, "Oh, this is great!" Why did you go get tested for cancer? Like, were you in pain, or was something? I was always been in pain? And um, my uh, normal doctor said that you know I'm having a lot of back pain. I've been having back pain for a while, and um, he said you should get tested anyway at this time. You know, so I tested it, just, um, and it turned out. Wow. But uh, I, I, then when I found that out, I was like, well, I want to kind of stick around and see how this goes. And it was I stage four, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's palliative, man. That yeah. was like right there. I mean, it just caught right at that moment. I mean, it could have been a couple weeks later. And, and it, it would have been a whole different story. And they were, they were I, I can't preach the praises of Sloan Kittering enough. Just great, great, great people. You know? Right. And it's a miracle. I'm a miracle that it's here. I mean, all my little complaining is just that. I, I, and I, I'm aware enough that even when I'm complaining about my dark period and stuff, there's that part of me that's like, man, you, you know, you got it good. <laughs> Just you know, every day you can go out and play with your son and see the light and have great times with your wife. And I mean, and make music or, or whatever. And I don't even think if it's good or bad or anymore. I just think that this is uh, powerful and great. You know? So I, 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 there's a part of me that's kind of untouched always there. I like that. Yeah, there's a part of us that's the same as when we yeah. were a kid, is the same. There's the witness that's exactly. unchanging, and that's, that's, who good... we, that's who we really are, and it's the same in you as it is in me. Exactly. It's the, and that's why people can connect. Fractured kids are always like, oh, I got that. I know this, this guy's got my number. I know, you know what I mean? It connects with people. It's like they understand the same kind of fractures. Yeah. That's so true that it is. It's that same quiet entity that's the observer, the watcher, you know, yeah. in, in all of us. 
the witness. Yeah, I like that. So you just had the one brother, or do you got other? Yeah, siblings? I have another. I have another sibling. I have two siblings. I have a brother who lives in Indiana, um, and I have a sister who lives in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, with my mom in in Nashville or near Nashville. And what does she do? She works at a framing place. Okay. Like framing pictures and mm -hmm. stuff? Oh, okay. That comes in handy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's that expression about? <laughs> What's wrong with framing? No, that's great. That's, it's just, my family's unique. I have a unique family. We all do. <laughs> I love them infinitely, though. And, and your brother's the one who started Remy yeah, Zero. Yeah, he started you? it. Yeah. He started it. Yeah. In fact, you know... It was really interesting. We were kids, and we got signed so young, and we sent a cassette tape to Geffen and Capitol. Uh -huh. Cassettes. Just my brother looked on the back of a billboard and said, I'll send it in care of these guys. Yeah. And next thing you know, they both flew to Alabama, and it's, we're bidding war. It's like, what just happened? And you know, I was 16 or whatever, and uh, he was writing the songs, and he, we had an old 8-track, an old Tascam 8-track you know, that my mm -hmm. parents had. Oh, they used to do out loud poetry in the 60s. They got reviewed in Rolling Stone. So what were they doing? You're well, uh, my mom and dad and um, their best friends were these people who all kind of got together and started doing out loud poetry in the 60s. It was outlaw poetry? Out, lo out loud and out, out loud. loud. Right. So oh. they would like freeform poetry with playing music and, and different songs and structures and they would record it and release it as records. And it was kind of one of the first ones ever done. And it was reviewed in Rolling Stone and stuff. Wow. It was really great. What was that called? Uh, it's... I don't know if they had an actual name. They had a lot of different ones. They have one foot in the garden. They have different ones that they would do. I'm trying to think of their actual Did they have troop a, name. A yeah, band, a troop but name. Yeah, that's what I mean. And yeah. um, um, it's so interesting. I've always called it just outlaw poetry. Um, I have to, it'll hit me in two seconds, and I'll regret that. Um, but it was great. You know, they do this, and so we grew up in that kind of household. You know, that was really neat. Like I quit school in like seventh grade, and I didn't really. I mean, I lack social things. I should have learned. You know, I don't know how I'm. You know, when you go to high school or whatever, I've, I've, I missed a lot of that world, you know, how to socialize. Yeah, socialize and deal, I guess, deal with sadness and rejection, apparently. <laughs> That's what everybody talks about. Why did you leave school at seventh grade? <clears throat> well, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, you know, uh, public school, we weren't economically gifted enough to, you know, have private school. And uh, public school, living in, you know, lower income areas was just not cool. Rough. I went to public school, too. Yeah. I mean, high school is a torture, I guess, but, right. you know, it's one you're supposed to endure. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, I regret missing out on a lot of that, you know. Right. I didn't have a lot of social interactions. I was a very lonely, weird kid for a long time. But it's you're at the still, same time. You're yeah. still a lonely, weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> what does the pot call the kettle what? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> you win this round. Et tu brute. So... How old were you when you guys sent the cassettes? Right around then, uh, 17. I mean, my brother was writing these songs and playing the instruments and stuff. And uh, when we got responses, right? It, you know, he made up people's names. Like we had a bass player and he made up a name and a drummer and it was all. So they came expecting a band and really it was just my brother. And so real quickly, like he said, okay, um, Cedric was our bass player. And he said, you're going to be playing bass. You're going to sing. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Who was singing on the demos? Well, me and him sang. I sang yeah. on him, okay, yeah. yeah. But he would just kind of call me in and I'd sing, you know, and he would craft these things. And he, it was me and him sang throughout the whole of Remy Zero. You know, if he did a song, he would sing it and then, or I would sing on it, you know. And then if I did a song, I'd sing on it. And then if we did a band song, it was me singing on it. You know? that, was the, that was the main vocalist. So, so you guys went with Geffen. 
Yeah, right. well, Capital First. Oh. And we did an album with them that never got released. Oh. And it was, that's how we met the Radiohead Kid guys and stuff. And because uh, they were on, they were newly on Capital in America because they were EMI in England. And uh, then we went from Capital to, to Geffen. Why did they not release it? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. They were, everybody had gotten fired at one time. And when they do that, all the people's pet projects kind of get sto stolen. Oh, yeah. it's one of those. Right. Oh, my God. And um, so Fully recorded? Fully recorded, mixed. Mixed. Yeah, we came here and worked with a bunch of different people. And, uh, it was, and then we did. Then we left there, got signed to Geffen by Tony Burke, who's amazing. He's such I know a cool Tony. Guy. Oh, I love Tony, man. I, I recorded at his house yeah, that's, out in I, L.A. That's maybe why, because we did too. I'm wondering I, I if that's I feel like what, we've run into like, each other. Right, doesn't it make sense? It does make sense. He had shorter hair. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> I had hair, and so it was and like, like yeah. I had long <laughs> hair, then I shaved my head, and then I like, you know. I had all kinds of weird color hair. So. Um, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I feel like that's there's some kind of connection there because I remember going to his house a lot, and you were on the radio uh, on our on our car constantly, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, Tony Berg's amazing. I'd go to his house all the time, and then we went to Interscope, then Electra, and that was our final. What? So, yeah, we've been on all of them. But, that's amazing. And we have good relations with everybody. Everybody's been so sweet. No, nobody, um, there was not any kind of like dropping or anger or like you know we're leaving or anything. It's been just I've been so blessed. So just meet uh, consistently really good people as far as, you know, musicians, managers, every, the business whole has just been great, you know. So, so, so Tony produced the first record? Or? Well, no, he did. He helped us structure a lot, but uh, we actually produced it. The uh, first one was the Tornado record. We kind of did it with this guy named Frankie Blue, who's amazing. Mm -hmm. And a couple, uh, uh, Ronnie Champagne. And we, it was kind of, they helped us kind of learn our, learn how to produce, you know, we were just producing ourselves. And I think that's why we clicked so well with, uh, Botchel is that when we came to do um, Villa, we had, had enough you know momentum behind us that we could go home and produce and then bring it. And he would help us get quality sounds mm -hmm. and help us kind of make make it fit, you know. And uh, and then we worked with a guy named uh, Jack Joseph Puig on the Golden Home. Yeah, he's cool, man. I, I, we, they're all cool. They're Legends. Really, yeah, huge man. And we were at Ocean Way, and you can't help but be like blown away there, you know. Did cool. you live out there at yeah. the time? We we moved out to L.A. Uh, right after our first record because we did the first the very first one up in uh, San Francisco. <clears throat> we bought like the uh, Tony Berg. We got like a, the uh, the Neve and the two inch sixteen and a lot of gear and just it was great a home studio. Oh, you bought it mm -hmm. rather than p putting the budget into a studio. We just bought that so we could always have it, you know, because we were constantly writing. Yeah, our biggest flaw. Well, I mean, we got lots. Not our biggest flaw. <laughs> we can. One of the flaws it was that, you know, we would, it, and it's something I do a lot, is I, the joy of writing and getting it on tape is just the best. Once it's kind of done, it just it just goes into the pile. You know, I never think in terms of uh, the external. That's why I have just backloads of so many songs and stuff. Right. But it's the joy well, of that that's the creation. hard part, it's is so putting hard. it right. out and, and supporting it and all that, and getting other people to believe in it. And So great to hear you say that. That's the hard part. The, it's so isolating for artists, you know, because you're... That's so great to hear you say that. Yeah, the easier part is writing yeah. it and recording <laughs> it and having that... And I love the, playing live. That's brilliant. Going on tour, yeah. playing live is glorious to me, but... Yeah, the joy of creation. Yeah, that's just magic right there. But the uh, finishing the circle by putting it out yeah. and, and touring it and supporting it. That's, yeah, that's a bit it's more complicated. little steps right there. It's just so brutal. Well, it requires other people's involvement. Exactly. And exactly. belief. Right. 
and with, uh, with skills that me I don't possess. You know, they have skills that can handle with dealing with a certain subset of people or a certain label or whatever. Yeah, that is not my forte. You know, I think in this day and age, it's a little bit more. That can be a little bit more of an independent pursuit. It's true. You know, at least that's the rumor. You know? <laughs> Word on the street. <laughs> Word on the street. Is I don't you know. Can, you can put it out yourself and all that, and it can just blow up. Kids but. today with their haircuts and logic. <laughs> yeah. um, are you in the process of that right now? Are you recording right now? Or yeah. are you in a writing mode? No, I have a, a solo record happening, and then I also have um, yes. some other like a side project thing happening. That's brilliant, man. Yeah. Happening as what fifty percent? Like when can I hear? Essentially, uh, well, I have a, I have a band with Peter Buck called Arthur Buck. That's and, awesome. And our second record is done yeah. and ready to go. Right. And then totally I'm right. and then I'm working on another project with him. Wow. And brilliant. that one is just in the phase of uh, we're writing. Oh, cool, know? cool. And that's fun because that's where you want to be. I, I, like, that's the best. Are you doing it long distance or do you go yeah, down long, there? Yeah, long okay, distance right. so that's far. That's fun. That's cool. Yeah, it's been great. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. I, on that, I'm just singing. The, right. the music's all done and I'm just like, they're oh, giving wow, me tracks great. and then I get to just write tunes over top of it. I love that. I, I used to do that with some of the Remy stuff is that um, we would have like a band playing and structuring. That's that sound. Yeah, that. What is that? Probably some oh, okay. something upstairs. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there's the building is haunted. Go back to your. I love that. The Remy story. My thing. whole life is like revolt. We've had the weirdest life, childhood stuff. I think when you're you have weird uh, energies as a family, you get weird things happening. A lot of a lot of strange things, things levitating and moving, and are just horrific as a child. You know. What do you mean you had strange family energies? Uh, there was just a lot of strange things. I mean. I'm not getting things lamps would lift up and fall off and we had these old desks and we put the pencils at the bottom and you could sit there and they just roll up the desk you know it's just surreal it's just it's a anyway that's a whole separate thing. do you believe in spirits oh yeah the whole ether, ether world i believe completely i think ghosts are are just like i think is like almost like a tulpa like a an energy of like your ego this person that they built up a tulpa a tulpa is like a thought form that becomes uh real okay and it's like um it's like a, a golem or, a, you know, it's something that that's, it's, what's a golem? It's like, um, a, a, a Jewish, thing. it's a Jewish robot, but it's like, <laughs> a Jewish robot. <laughs> it's something, it's something deep in the, right. I don't even know what it is. Is it really like, a Jewish it robot? Is, it is. It's not a robot, yeah, but, but it's, it's a, like, it's, it's something like really mystical. It is. It is. <laughs> but then why is it a robot? That doesn't yeah, seem That's sense. his interpretation. It's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, they would craft it, but it's like a thought form and they crafted it almost like a Frankenstein situation where they could feed it what they needed it to do. And I think one of the things is that it could, there was a debate, does it work on the high holy days and stuff? But that, on a separate note, the tulpa is, is Tibetan. But what it means is kind of a thought form that is so powerful that it becomes, it takes on f real form. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times, like I was saying earlier, like I, this guy who is me, like August Sinjin, is if I pass away, although I'm, you know, when I pass, I don't see me lingering. I think there's a different when spirit comes. And spirit is, is something I see coming down uh, with co consciousness. And I think the other ones are almost repetitive because it's uh, an imprint in the world, you know. Sorry, this is me. What do you think consciousness is? Uh, as, as far as that or in general? Consciousness Just in general. Is, I personally think that it is the foundation of everything. It's, right. I mean, I think that 
it is it is pre and post everything that you can conceptualize yeah it was here and, before us exactly. and it will be here after us like and that's the witness that we were talking about exactly and we are that's the one that is remains um it takes in the information it not it sounds bad when i say remains untouched but it, it's that way in a good way it is experiencing life in all of our ups and downs in a physical monkey bodies right but is it's not like it's unfeeling it's got this it's but it remains unmarred and um I think that uh, those can come down. It's, the consciousness also is exists on multiple dimensions that we haven't even conceptualized, that we probably can't with our limited ability. You know? Yeah. I do think that whole school of thought that the brain is a dampener, like a radio signal, mm. like a radio tower. So a lot of who and what we are isn't like created here. It's more of it has to be toned down to get into this, this you know, monkey man body. I was watching some kind of self-help guru thing about like... Uh how to access your heart and like ask your heart something and you touch yeah. your heart when you have a question because your brain is a left and right. Yeah. So your brain will go on a loop and always be like, won't, won't really agree on a situation. Right. It'll, it'll see both sides and like keep you doing this. Whereas the heart is a unified That's brilliant. single. And so if you ask the heart, it will respond with like a direct answer. And, and how your body reacts to those is another thing. Like a lot of the um, people who test allergies, you could take in your hand and, you know, hold the cigarette in one hand. And you, could, you do notice a drop, you know, if you're allergic to it. I think your body can respond if you're quiet enough to things like, is this a good idea? And if, I mean, mm. it's a cliche, but they say the gut feeling or the heart. You know? mm. yeah, I think we that's have three brains, the gut, right? the Literally, heart, right? the brain. That's like that power versus force type of thing, like you're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, yes, exactly. Right with a cigarette, right. and that makes your hand your, and you, your body your arm knows. Weaker. And you know, they that's down to science too. They can tell that your body knows the decision you're about to make before you make it, just down mm -hmm. to milliseconds. But it, your body is already acting to this decision that you think you're creating, like you know, freedom. Uh, what is it? will freedom of will or whatever? You know, yeah. that it's almost not real according to the science. But there's also another aspect of that which I think is really cool. Is that you know when you think anything that you think is real, is just like even color is non-existent. Like the the, it's all just the cones and rods that you can perceive, right? It's light fractals. So when you think of what reality looks like, uh, some of the uh, the scientists say it's probably more of a just like a dull gray. You know, the substances like is just the vibrations of things that react. You know, there's no solidity to this planet. Yeah, but how do they That's know brilliant. that? Like, how do they know that? Well, it's, it's all definitely you're the only processor you have is your your mind or brain right so that the very act of there there is no independent color so like the whole thing if a tree falls and there's no one to hear it it in a weird way it doesn't make a sound because mm -hmm. sound is only vibrations that so is color so is um the vibrations of this make it appear to be solid everything is just on this one spectrum here's light sound mm -hmm. color everything i just think that's fascinating i mean these are like not like esoteric it's ideas it's real you know these are like scientists who are saying it mm. and it's brilliant man just brilliant well yeah i was reading about like if you like when you're like everything happens when you when you with when you apply your consciousness to right. it so like my apartment right now doesn't even exist right like that's what the <laughs> scientists true, right? i've heard that like no, it's it, true. like i can't say it in, in a smart way but just like it's i've true. heard scientifically like <laughs> it literally doesn't exist it's not there empty and it's being proven with the whole uh you know <laughs> quantum field the quantum empty. says and the fact that it would be there would be considered just from a collective consciousness so if collectively something's there with enough people 
that tree will seem to be there when even though you turn your head because there's a million other consciousnesses going on, you know, observing it at different times. But that's pretty cool. What do you think happens when you die? That's what I've been trying to tell the tax guys. Look, man, I'm not paying attention. It's not there. You don't exist. My debt's gone. How, from, <laughs> from your lips to God's right, ears. Exactly. I'm with you on that one. Officer, I refuse to look at what you're saying to me, so <laughs> I'm not even going to look in your direction. Ow, ow. <laughs> spam risk. That's what I get. Spam <laughs> risk on my phone when, yeah. it's, when spam risk is oh, calling Oh, really? Me. Yeah. Spam, spam risk. <laughs> spam risk. I've never heard that. <laughs> Mine just silences it. Uh, uh, you got a good one. Mine says uh, spam something, but I've never heard it say mine it. Mine says spam wrist. <laughs> what service spam are you using? Wrist. I don't know. Holy Christ, man. <laughs> it freaks me out. It would freak me out. I'm just having you to heard it. But what do you think <laughs> happens when you die for real, though? Uh, to me or to... No, to everybody. Like, just like because you said... Uh, you said a couple things along those lines. You said some, some people hang around and their ego's so strong that they like become lost ghosts, but you th- right. you don't you think that'll happen too. to you. Oh well I only say that because I'm I think by You're the time preparing. Yeah, by the time I'm but to, I like it or not, I'm gonna be here probably till I'm like eighties, nineties, you know. Um I don't know why I just know that. Um so uh it sucks though. But why does that suck? I don't know. Because life is hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've had a really good life at this point, man. It's been brilliant. So, um, I don't know, man. Yeah, you Lots have. of dancing. Lots of <laughs> bacchanal. <laughs> you made some great music, man. I have to say the same to you. I mean, I'm going to reiterate. This is so cool to be talking to you right now. I just This is fantastic to me. It's strange to think there's a microphone and I'm hearing it. Well, you barely talk into it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I you did. Came down this Fix that in post. Fix I keep doing this. Don't worry about it. I keep wanting to talk to you, and I'm like, wait. I got it. I got it. I'll crank him up. He's louder than Mick Rock. Mick Rock was talking like a mile away from the microphone. And you fixed it. Barely hear him. Yeah. It's so, him, and then a lot of hiss, like, shh. <laughs> So you were like, so the band was in LA and you guys were like, so it, that must have been intense getting scooped up by Radiohead because they were the, like, they were the biggest band in the world, yeah. the most exciting, the most influential. They like across the board, they were basically. And you know, they were huge and, and they were really kind. They were all really nice. And so like a lot of our friends, like the Cannon Crows guys have just like been you know, very instrumental in a lot of our making records and being stuff. So, I mean, I lived at Adam's house. Every every time we made a record, I pretty much end up living at his house. That's wild. <laughs> um, With a bunch of other a motley crew, a whole a host there. of like musicians all live there, oh, okay. and just every, musicians, artists, everything. Just, he used to have a huge house on huge. The, in the Hollywood Hills. Oh right, like a ma- a mansion. And that's right? when he was with like Courtney Cox or whatever. No, that's this is after. Oh, okay. After, yeah. But, yeah. I think Ehud's in the Counting Crows, right? <laughs> I know, right? You're in something, like something involved. You're like, in no, that, I didn't know Adam in... at that period where I just keep hearing the stories yeah. of what went on in that crazy house. Okay, crazy. well, you know, do tell. We are I, having I a, po- we're having a podcast. Tell. I've only heard. I don't, I've never, I've never got enough it. esoteric nonsense. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's get some party <laughs> stories on All the right, board. Hit record because now we're talking. So yes. my first day, we actually party story. Don't worry, Poppy. Shooting a porno, <laughs> a porno in the in the mansion when he was away. Oh Tell my some God. Story. Wait, what? Is that for real? Uh, we have we have a witness right here. There, uh, man, it's just, that place is chaos. When I first got to Atlanta, I mean not Atlanta, L.A. 
They're kind of the same. We went. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're similar. They're, they're getting more so. They're very similar. Uh, now everybody's making this exodus to Nashville, which is crazy, man. Because all these places when we live there, they're terrible. But then when we leave, it suddenly gets good. I don't know. Wait, now think about it. Yeah. What does that say? We'll about just it? stay in Jersey, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jersey and every anyone there. How's how's the uh, com- I know we'll get there. I, I just <laughs> but sorry, was, I just had a sidetrack of how long does it take you to get in the city and how long, often do you come? Minutes. About about an hour. Oh, okay, minutes, so you don't come out here that much. My wife comes in every day. She work. She works in this midtown. She trains in, and it's different. It's forty five minutes of the car, but she trains, which is even longer. Which is everything. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like now in our life, it's like we got we got our home entertainment system right. in, in our pocket. So it's brilliant. An hour long train ride. I would have killed to have isn't this. Isn't that hard? Right? And just sit and lock it Relaxing. Away. Yeah, exactly. Kill to have that as, as a child. We had just pulled into LA and um, we were kids from Alabama and we'd gotten signed and we hadn't really, you know, we were, that was our first time there, you know, and we were just like, this is crazy. Adam took us out. <laughs> How'd you meet this, Adam in the first place? He was friends with, um, well, he, you know, he was on Geffen. So oh, okay. uh, Tony Berg, Tony Berg hooked it up, and and uh, we just shout out Tony Berg. Love Tony. I, I love him too. Yeah, he's just he's good at like he's connect. a good dude. He's a good dude. Yeah, and he would he would have these meetings and talk, and he was just crazy inter- guitar player. He introduced me to Big Star. Oh man, not Show like it, personally, yeah. but right, I know. he said I got to play you this album, and he played me Big Star's third. Right, and That's he a, and he was too. like, "This is the best album anyone's ever made." We did a <laughs> cover of, and I agreed with yeah. him. I was listening to it, and he played me Holocaust, and That's he was great. like, "We covered Big Black Car. It was brilliant. Amazing. Man. So it's, I love those guys, man. Yeah." Well, was I mean, it Arden Sound? Is that down in Just Atlanta? such an incredible band. And so different from the first record to the yeah. third. And like, you can see it dissolving as a band, but, but it, sonically it's the best one they did, I think. It's my favorite. Yeah. The third one. But mm-hmm. the first one is completely amazing right. in another whole way. So, okay, you get into L.A. and you're well, kicking it with Adam yeah, Duritz. It was just, that's how we met. It was interesting. Yeah. But he it took us to a... big back then. Huge. Yeah. And he took us his party. We were at Chateau Ramon and, you know, all this stuff is huge okay, for us. Okay, so like, like, that's party. A, that's amazing. Like, yeah. you're from Alabama and you're in L.A. Great. But, and that's enough almost. But then you're having the high-end rock and roll experience right. i mean staying at chateau marmont not staying we definitely had the low end we were definitely kind of that's all... not low end even if you're not staying yeah we like were living hanging exactly. with adam exactly. so you were staying at, let me guess you were staying at the standard no we wow. were living at a place called villa elaine it was oh, like a right like Duh. A, my cousin had, a, had an apartment there Duh. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> they fucking named the record after where they were staying <laughs> my cousin had an apartment there and we just all showed up and we had no beds. We all just kind of slept in this room. It wasn't as glorious. I sleep on the floor now. I love it because I love my back. sleeping on the floor. Yeah, I have yeah. A... It's really lovely. Okay, so what happened? So you're like, <laughs> oh, I just totally we lost them. We're heading towards a porno at Adam Duritz's house. I think. Wait, what? So you <laughs> got to LA '95. You do seven pornos and then suddenly he, you're an actor. No. He introduced you to to Adam. Oh, I was just strange, and then yeah. Adam just took you in just from the kindness. Well, of we his clicked. Heart. He was a yeah. I mean, he was we clicked, and he just, I was. He was such a good dude, man. And he, you know, great singer. Great singer. And he knows all, you know, we would talk about all these different artists, and he has that kind of catalog mind. Yeah, you know? he's a big music Oh, right. Fan. Yeah, so yeah, we I've could talk for hours. To his podcast. Yeah. It's great. Oh, I didn't know you had a podcast. It's real good. I'm so out of loop. Wow, man. There's but I went a lot in a, going on. I in saw the world. this guy in the back who had this machete, and he's chopping this mound of cocaine. And I was like, what is going on? It was like a Twiggy from uh, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Wow. And I was Nine like, inch nails. what is going on? Yeah, and there's this huge mound of cocaine. And I knew right then. 
I'm getting home. sweaty just when you say like <laughs> oh, mound of cocaine. <laughs> Listen, can we take a break? So, and did you like? So, did you go in on that? Did I? Yeah. I yes, I did everything, man. <laughs> Are you kidding? I was young and insane. I did How old? every single. Uh, uh, twenty. 21 that's incredible but man it was you know you're there living this life it was like and you know i always had that kind of um that alcoholic mindset even before i would drink anything but i was like yeah. lay it out I, the whole i was i didn't judge any color on that drug rainbow <laughs> whether any drinks drugs anything right it was it was a weird time it was a great time yeah <laughs> well you survived it i did i did and then how long, you guys stayed in L.A. for how long to write that album? We just moved there. We stayed there. From that point on, we lived there. Even 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 up until the Golden Home and after that. We only left um, left when I when, uh, when we went back to Nashville. I mean, I went back to visit my family on Christmas. And then I just never went back. Where'd you live in L.A.? Um, I was living up in the Lookout Mountain area, you know, uh, Okay, uh -huh. I was up in uh, Benedict Canyon for a while, and then Lookout Mountain area, just different places, like all around. You know, we right. moved in out in Silver Lake for a while. You know, it was really cool. It was great. Huh? Why'd you leave? We were having interband issues, mm -hmm. and uh, it was just too chaotic. I was just interband issues, and that made you leave LA. Yeah, I was trying to just get away from everything. You know, right. But um, where'd you go to Nashville to my oh. mom's place? Okay. So, okay. So take us back to Twiggy and a knife and a mound of cocaine. <laughs> well, I'm, so I moved in with him. No, <laughs> they were all so too cool, man. They, everybody's been so cool with me, man. Out there. I'm trying to think of any kind of negatives that I had. I remember one time I was at a party in LA and Twiggy was there yeah. and I was looking at him like, cause you know, he's, mesmerized right in yeah. a way, you know yeah. like he's got charisma <laughs> right. and i knew he was in marilyn manson right that. and then he just like started like he was like kind of like sing he started singing i'll never forget this he started singing i always feel like somebody's watching me <laughs> and he was singing it to oh, me dear. like yeah <laughs> and then i quickly looked away <laughs> it was like is it true story <laughs> true story oh that's brilliant oh my god oh that's awesome <laughs> That yeah, so that, I never, I've never told that story, yeah. and it happened, and it's still in my mind. That is wow. brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> staring at you singing it. I, <laughs> no, he kind of like looked off. It was yeah, even worse than staring right. at me. It wasn't that aggressive. Right. It was funny actually. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I smoked weed one time, and before I played, and I just was. It's the worst thing. I can only one time. I can't play. I can't play when I smoke green at all. Yeah, it's hard. It's but horrible. I was so hyper conscious. If at first you don't succeed, right. I'm more. <laughs> I'm a um, different kind of addict than you, apparently, because I've. I like to listen, not, yeah. not participate. Oh, when yeah. I when I sit back and I hear, it, that's great. If I sit back and just listen to music, it's golden. It makes or you self Or seeing or painting, it's highly. highly. And you think, why is everyone looking at me? And it dawns you're at on stage at the Viper Room. You're like, what is happening, yeah. dude? It's horrific, horrific. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I was. I one time was at the Troubadour and I was on so much mushrooms that holy mackerel, I couldn't remember what my hand was <laughs> while I was playing guitar. <laughs> that's brutal. Like what I was your looking hand at, was? I couldn't remember what my hand was. It was something like. 
that. It was like, you know. <laughs> and the guitar is like cardboard. And, and I like, just, and I, <laughs> made, I made it through though, somehow. Right. Like, it just like, but it was like a moment yeah. of like, man, you've gone too far. <laughs> you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, note to self. So you were getting the full on rock brilliant. and roll experience, and and that was then beautiful. and then that was leading up to uh, Villa Elaine coming out. Mm -hmm. We okay. we started working when we were living in Atlanta, and we have a little studio there, and so we just recorded there for a few of the songs. Where in Atlanta? Um, right in Atlanta, over by um, close to the park. Right in Atlanta. Where, where's um, everything's in Atlanta? Well, yeah, but not in like Atlanta. in Norcross or not not you know. Not I was in Little Five Points. That's where we lived there for a long time. That's yeah. where I was born. I lived right up on McLinden, my first really? house. I lived on Alta Avenue. My first three adult apartments, yeah. like out of my like parents' house, were all on Alta Avenue. Parents being where? What area? They were in Ohio. Oh, in Ohio. Akron. That's where I'm from. I'm from Akron, Akron Ohio. Wow. Yeah. I know someone else from Akron. There's a who's there's Go another? Browns. <laughs> we're in the playoffs first time in like a million yeah. years. Anyway, there's a couple of bands from. Too there. bad nobody's gonna be there. <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah, they have nobody, no There's no one's gonna be in the oh, stadium. Well, oh, okay. Cardboard cutouts, you know. You know, watch it on the. TV. This could be our year. Right, right, <laughs> no one right. shows up. Yeah. What if you throw, throw you off? So okay, so you did a bunch of it in Atlanta. Then you're going out right. to L.A. And what's the college right there? Uh, it um southern. Dang it! It'll come to me in a second. In Atlanta? Yeah, the college. It's it's right. You're very close to Piedmont Park. We were, right. and so it's, it's I want to say southern or south. The, the college that's right there just close to Piedmont Park is where we actually lived as a band hmm. and um, it was great and then you know we all had little places around there at different times were I all lived. of you guys like 20, 22 mm -hmm. kind and we of all lived together yeah man and then, you know our drummer passed away just not uh, about five years ago Very on sorry. New Year's yeah from uh, CF right? yeah. yeah and CF and cancer you know so it was Woo. a combination that was brutal man sorry but from that first album, did you guys have money at that at that point? Where was, were you like up and coming, like a buzz of the town? Or we were the most successful we ever have been as a band in terms of as uh, about two years after we had broken up. Really? <laughs> that was the first time we ever had gotten any kind of decent check or and anything. This is after the third album. You're so yeah, you're and after we had broken up, monetarily successful. Monetarily, and also we were at our heights right about then too. I mean. When we were playing, it was ironic because we were literally just going up. You know, we everything was just going better than you could ever imagine. You know, right? And uh, you know, we're playing in front of huge amount of crowds. And it was brilliant. And what size? You know, thousand each night, different times. I mean, we'd play festivals too. You know, and then we'd yeah, play yeah. small things and but stuff. You're but you're doing your own shows, grand. thousand people. That's yeah, it's great. Great. And and we would go, and sometimes it'd be more. Like you know, in L.A., it could be much more. Or if or if it's you know Akron, it was probably less. You know, at different right. places. And don't diss Akron. No, I love it. I'm just I'm saying. Kidding. I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Go Browns. <laughs> go Browns. <laughs> so who are the Browns? They're the football team. Gotcha. Cleveland Browns. So why'd you guys break up? Yeah, um, there was just a lot of frustration. A lot of the band members couldn't. There's just nobody could get along. I was, I was enjoying it. It's just, you know, uh, my brother was so um, very unhappy with where we were going, and he wanted to go and do something else. He didn't like the direction of the music. Mm -mm, ever. Why? And, um, I don't know. He. Did, always, he uh, I just don't know. What did he want to do? Uh, he was he. He is very a purist, you know. He would do these things that are um, the stranger the better, you know. Right. So he he would like try to like deconstruct things as much as possible. You know? He thought y'all were too safe. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. 
it was just weird. A lot, and everyone had different ideas of what we should be doing. And um, then we got, into, I don't. I, there's a lot of things that just right, but I don't who's know. Who's writing all the songs and music? It's you and him, right? So and the band. Who's you know? creating the the sound and the tone of where things were going? If not you guys. And you know the, with the like um, the. Yeah, but when there's a label involved, there's other pressures and right. people. It just turns into something. It's, and the, it's the, hard to. Sometimes it's hard to escape. It's uh, very hard because every box that right. you're put into, and and there's so much. Suddenly, there's money involved. There's all these things, and it's kind of, and which I didn't mind. I was fine. We we strive to get in certain boxes, and you know when we would play like the band, we would work. I would work with the band, right? And we would jam on something and create a song, and then I'd sing on it, and it was great. You know, we'd all write together, and and then they would usually write with my brother, but my brother was uh, usually isolationist. He'd come in with something written. You know, we kind of play it. You know, he would have the parts already done and recorded. So he's the moody, complicated one. Yes, he was very unhappy. He would never toured with us, you know. Really? Ever? Why? And uh, even from young, he just—I don't know. There's something about like geniuses, like that are like that. We get along. Yeah, we get along. Um, we don't. We don't. We are literally the polar opposites. If if I could randomly think this is a great day, even if he's not near me, I'll get a phone call that says, "Isn't this a terrible day?" I mean, we are so polar opposite, and not just on uh, direction of music or art or whatever. So it's it makes it um, very impossible or weather <laughs> or what's good or bad and but yeah we I we've tried it a few times and we did a record called Spartan Fidelity which was great because we both kind of did it on our own you know and um it's just as time has gone on sometimes it comes together and it's perfect you know but it's more and more difficult for us to work together and for for anybody and you know at this period when I've after the band I've consecutively gotten more and more in, uh, introverted, you know, more and more further away from any kind of thing. And then when I, I got sick, I just wanted nothing to do with anything. You know? Now, I the other guys, we almost came back together for a while when my brother was in Cambodia, and we did a few songs, and it was really great. We did a thing for um, Zach was doing a movie, Zach Braff, and he put it in and kind of brought all, and we kind of reformed for it. It was really great. And then, you know, my drummer got sick, and so it was just a lot of intraband stuff. Kind of like Nolan Liam Gallagher, kind of. Very thing. much. <laughs> yeah. That's what the guy from uh, when we were kids said. That was the first <laughs> thing he thought because we were like sixteen, and he said that was exactly what he thought. But you know, those guys were highly successful, so yeah, different in that way. But that very much brothers where we just could not get along. But we do get along if it's not about you know when we're hanging out, it's perfect. Right. It's great. We're, it's fun and amazing. It's but um, it's only when we're trying to work is is it gets too crosshaired. Right. But tell us a little bit about like what that was like though when when things were first popping off and you guys were on tour with Radiohead and stuff like were you brilliant like, man I was yeah. so happy that was like the happiest time of my life was that the Benz tour well Both, the Benz yeah. and OK Computer yeah, well the one before that too when they first got Pablo on, Honey yeah and that was when we first kind of met them that's when because oh. they were just coming over so from, they weren't massive massive yet they were well, yeah they, they were pretty much immediately creep was like I mean huge, creep yeah. went massive yeah, was that giant. was Pablo Honey right. and then. The Benz, but like I'm surprised that they took you guys on in a way because it's a similar right. sound in a way. And they, I mean, they did. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, they were more helpful in the early. It wasn't like we toured with them constantly. We would just kind of occasionally play. And but a band like Travis were like our best friends. We would tour with oh, them at all guys. times. That guy's still, nice. I met that they're guy. They're so I love all with of those Fran, guys. Is that Fran, Fran, yeah, he's Franny. Cool. I only met him once. Oh, uh, he was a nice guy. Um, Andy and uh, they're just all Dougie and Neil. They're all just they're the nicest, coolest people. And a friend of ours who worked uh, as a reporter in the enemy. Back mm-hmm. in the, you know, that and the Melody Maker were like the big things where we hear about stuff. Right. That's how we had learned about Pixies and our own bands were, you know, mm-hmm. from there. But um, 
he said, you got to meet this guy's uh, Travis. And so we met him and we just all became instantly. So, I mean, even when we didn't have a label, we would tour together. I mean, we have been up uh, recently. We haven't, we still talk. Um, but when we were playing live, we were just every opportunity we get a chance to play with them. They'd come stay with us in LA. And just recently I'd go out and stay with Andy pre pre COVID. Right. They're just great, man. I have nothing but love for those guys. It was funny. We played a show the first night we met him. We had, um, we had played the show at this place and we had taken, um, a, a, um, drank a lot of Red Bull and, and <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying we snorted a lot of Red Bull and a lot Red of Red Bull caffeine. wasn't even around back then. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I don't know how that happened. Anyway, anywho, and it wasn't then, me. It was, and then what happened? It was Twiggy. It was Twiggy. We had this set that was a, you know, a normal set. And we played it so fast. The whole thing was over in like Cocaine 20 minutes. fucks music it up, man. It was flying I, out. And in it, my opinion. It, 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 I was like, how did we even do that? I have no memory of that. It just takes the soul. It just, like, you're disconnected from your soul. Unless you're playing a certain type of music, you know? If mm-hmm. you're if you're playing um, something that you would imagine in the 80s punk world or something, you know, where there everyone's on speed. Mm. I'm trying to think of who, who does cocaine right. I mean, what? I mean, Keith Richards. Oh, yeah, but he does everything right. Yeah. He's, there's no, but uh, I guess the um, Fleetwood Mac era, who's some other people in that zone? That's true. Miles Davis, I guess he had a. But he can do anything too, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think it maybe, it probably doesn't fuck everybody up, but that's a drug that's a no no right. for me. Yeah, oh, no, I hear you. It just it just separates me from my soul. Yeah, and, and if you feel very uh, separate, you feel div- divisive, you know, you're just, you're kind of, there's a part of me that's here. The divide between that inner part of me and my body are yeah. never on more of display or, or cognizant of it than when I'm high on something like that. Because yeah. I, I back up here and I'm like, ugh, you know. It makes you a desire machine. And all you do is grasp. That's what I hate. Anything right. that makes you grasp. If you start thinking, oh, I'm going to save that for later. It's like, dude, as soon as you get that way or like, then you got to you gotta immediately like out. So any, anything that gets you into that kind of like, I don't know. That, 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 that's what I don't like about that. And you notice it even when you're cognizant, like, this is terrible. You're still like, I'll do another one. You know, so, it's like, yeah, of course, you know, so wrong. Psychosis and creativity Lots. go hand in hand. I right. Think, and there was a lot. Degree. And, you right. know, substances don't help it. You know, it's not, they, they exasperate the problem. Exasperate. Yeah. Especially that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, for a start, you stop sleeping. Yeah, right. I mean, right there. So just without even the drugs, just right. the sleep deprivation alone. Even without drugs, if having a night, just one night of insomnia, I am a wreck. Oh, you know? yeah. Like just not being able to have that two minutes of re- reconstitution, you know? Mm. Well, it takes more than two minutes. Yeah, I know, but I'm I saying I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you left Akron? I was uh, 18. I left four days after I graduated high school. <laughs> so cool, man. I That's went awesome. to, straight to Atlanta. Right. You know, randomly with a band called Ten Zen Men, and I was the bass player that slapped and popped a lot. Yeah, really? Yeah. What was? Oh, that's awesome. I didn't sing yet. Right. I didn't start singing until I was twenty-one. Right. Did you immediately know? I mean, when would you say you kind of hit your stride in terms of like construction of your your sound? I mean, you know, who you are. Well, I was like effort like. There's no when, way to when we were in Atlanta, we were doing like, you know, that funk rock type of yeah. stuff. And the whole thing was to try to get like people in a live set, setting to like mosh around. Right, right, and right. It was, it was, I don't know, the, the motivation for the music was um, 
a certain thing. And then I started singing on my own and I got an acoustic guitar and I was writing a lot of words too. And I realized if I simplified everything, then I could um, put melody and lyrics easier. So I wrote like 10 acoustic sort of singer songwriter type songs and made a demo tape and it wound up in Peter Gabriel's hands, like just the first (laughs) one I made. And and then he called me up and then I got a record deal. So then I went to Real World, um, and that's where I met Dave Bottrell. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was just in that world, like Brian Eno sang on my yeah. first record. I mean, what? it was just, it was overwhelming. <laughs> like, and, I, and I just, it, like the whole time I felt like I was a, you know, an imposter. Right, yeah, I did this too. I've had that Imposter yeah. syndrome. Like, what am I doing here, you know? Yeah. You know, it's very similar to that, you know, that's such a natural progression for people when they find their sound being in part of a band in the same mm-hmm. way like you know Elliot Smith did that we're going from heat miser and a lot yeah. of people in bands kind of get then like, like you said those roles and then they find their self they're kind of like oh well, this is not really 100% me and they venture off like a lot of people in like um, little red rockets and people down in Birmingham who I love they uh, they became Azure Ray, which I love Maria oh, Taylor and, Maria oh, Taylor shout her. out Maria, Maria Taylor. Taylor and and, and um, Orenda are the Vallejos still together you know, I don't know. I'm not. I've been so out of the loop. They possibly are. I mean, yeah. as brothers, probably. I don't. I don't know if they're still playing. Yeah. I was gonna say something, but it just. That's brilliant that you've had such. I mean, that's an interesting, like, very similar how ours kind of lucked out in that world. Yeah. You had that same thing. That's pretty great. That was amazing. Did that like, like what era is this? What years are we? Ninety five is when I got right, signed. Same, so or ninety six, I yeah. guess. My first album came out in ninety seven. That's so interesting. You mentioned about the imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's so, so similar to when you talk to someone who I wouldn't even think about it until you said it. And then it, it triggers all these memories. It's like, oh, you're right. I've been through that. Yeah. Elliot Smith came out and was just some people come out and they're just completely defined. Yeah, I know. A hundred percent. You're like, like they have such a great style and they're so dialed in. I mean, I remember listening to him and just going like, "My God, this dude is amazing!" Like, uh, I hate it between bars. I was like, either, well, "I'm out." Either or, either or, man. That record just ruined me. Floored yeah. me. Uh, yeah, it just inspired me no end. And uh, you know, it's interesting. I I saw him at a show. We were at a Mazzy Star concert. At Mazzy Star, Mazzy Star, Cocteau Twins, and we were there with a lot of friends. And then he had his friends. So we all kind of were always one degree of separation. And in Hollywood, you know, you, you meet everybody. So right. you're just kind of acclimated to where it's, it's a small town, but there's a lot of famous people. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get, get freaked out. But they said, he's over there and he wants to meet you. And I was like, what? And that was a, that was somebody who I was just like, oh, shit, I couldn't get up. I couldn't. I was like, what am I going to say? Yeah. You're awesome, bro. You know? What just, did you say? Nothing. I sat back down. And I just couldn't <laughs> do it. And the whole the rest of the night, I'm like this. Man, I should have just said hi. I should have just said I met him at Max Fish, and and uh, he gave me. He had just moved to New York, oh, and wow. he gave me his phone number. Get the flip out. And uh, and I was like, like we were like, oh, let's like hang out sometime. And then he was like, well, it's it's on you or something. He said something like, oh, right, you gotta call. Him? It's gotta you gotta call like right. you gotta call me. Right. And then so I kind of like never did. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Poppy. I never did because I, I like, I, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. We I, did the exact same thing. We both I, dropped I the fucking I dropped Elliot the ball, ball, man. I what dropped the, f- the ball on that. That's huge. That's a huge one. Yeah. 
Well, hey, I'll put it in my. Uh, I thought I'll I was put it in was, my laundry bag of regrets. I know, right? There's a few in there there's already. A, there's I, a number. I think I can make a little bit more space. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> there's always a little bit room for more. Yeah, I found out just when you think it's over. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's funny, man. That's brilliant. Do you pray? Uh, yeah. And who are you? I meditate. Praying? Who Med- are you praying to? I I pray in a weird. I mean, I I I love all the different religions. So I like to read about. You know, I grew up in that Christian world of the South. Mm. So I love that whole uh, thing, and I love reading. Um, you know, any kind of religion has a little esoteric middle. You know, mm-hmm. like the Sufis and and Islam and stuff. But uh, I don't really. I pray in the sense that I just try to quiet my mind and just quiet and just kind of send out a general thanks. It was a general like taking that moment to acknowledge like the the uh, beauty of all the way things are all interconnected and just you know that I think that is my my prayer is just giving that reverence and saying thank you and blessing the food you know and then of course I ask you know Beelzebub and Baphomet to send me the power to kill. No. <laughs> Slay your enemies. <laughs> when you were going I'll through the, the cancer thing, where did you ask God to like help you or like you know, save you? Or it's weird. I think if I would have thought about it, if I would have thought about it more, I probably would have. I. It's hard, it's weird to say because I think by not even focusing on it. I got through it a much easier. What do you mean? You just, I just pretended kind of, it wasn't that. You know what I was saying about the that um, that circuit that gets you know the fuse gets blown mm-hmm. at a certain level and then you just you go you go blank and so I just kind of focused on meditation and everything and uh, it gave me a lot of time but I was just actually in pain a lot too so when you're in a certain amount of pain you don't even know you you don't even can't even form the thought of like you know you're just like ah. um, but yeah it wasn't like reaching out. Not that I'm opposed to that. If I, I think if I was um, smarter, I would have. You know what I mean? I, I was just more of kind of like hit that blank spot. I almost just didn't think about it. I'd listen to things and focus on other things. And I think if I would have thought about it more, I would have been more devastated. And I'm noticing that now I have a lot of lingering uh, mental issues from it because um, I think by not addressing a lot of things. You have PTSD. Yeah. I think only now I'm starting to realize that's even why I start drinking a lot and having these things because you can't explain this to anyone. You know, even when you try, you're like, I don't want to sit here and just be bemoaning. You know, it's like, you don't get it. But when I've talked to people who've had cancer and stuff, you do have this immediate, like, like this kinship. He's like, oh my gosh, tell me, you know, are you okay? Are you? Even when people tell me stories, I'm like, are you okay? I just, some reason, I just, I never it's, thought I would be that kin. It's so important to be validated. Yeah, and only they can know. It's like chemo, just like, I am literally 100% not the person I was five years ago. I mean, it's when they, someone takes out an organ, the sheer physicality your body has to readjust right there's things moving mm-hmm. there's just i uh, and even think about the chemical aspect and all these things that make up you a large portion of that is gone so i am i have even to this day i feel like a large part of who i am is just evaporated you know and yeah. so i still have these weird it's i'm still messed up from it i really am i know it sounds like I'm being like, what was me? And I don't mean to sound like You don't like, sound like that at all to me, man. I, you I, just sound like broken. you're describing some shit. Yeah. And and being real honest about it. And you don't I don't talk to anybody about it, which I think I should because when I do, it's like, oh man, I get but I just I keep it kind of like, no, I'm good, whatever. No, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm I've been thinking lately I might need to like get a therapist or something. I think that I'm could doing be it. you are I have to, yeah. 
When are you starting? I mean, I've you I've, started? No, I haven't. I have to meet. It. I mean, I'm only looking at. I'm recently sober, you know. So I had a, after that three months, I kind of you know I was sober for a while. Yeah. But um, I I have flip flopped on my sobriety big time, right? several times myself, man. So, you know, it's it's like I used to have a beer and I was like, yeah, this is great, and now I just get the cheapest vodka and I just sit in bed for a week. <laughs> right. But I think coming off that cancer has just changed me, and I know there's aspects of me that are similar, but I'm just I'm not who I used to be. And what do you mean by that, though? I, it's hard to define. Not necessarily all bad or all good, but I do miss who I used to be. I used to have this kind of like. I used to, even if it wasn't in reality, I just had this like energy, you know. And but I just age, that could be age as age. well, because I don't, I'm not the same either. Right. I mean, like, but it happened for me. It happened immediately after surgery. I knew something from that day on. Everything was changed, and there's constant pain now that used to not happen. And there's and directly really, you know, the neuropathy alone. And uh, I don't know. I'm what, not going to complain about what it. What can they do about the constant pain? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to go to a neurologist, you know, and, and trust. But I, I'm, I'm doing, I want to do as much, like, you know, natural things as I can in terms of just, like, stretching and yoga and stuff to get its strength. But if they have to, like, sever some nerves or something, I mean, it's just constant, you know. Right. And that's, it's just not fair to the people around me when you wake up and you think, oh. Yeah, how does Sarah deal with all this? She's a queen. I don't know. But. Yeah, but you can't know. beat yourself up that much. I know, but I don't, you know, I don't, I just, I don't really like hard to talk to yourself. her about this, you know, so I just kind of keep it quiet. But and then I end up spilling, you know, I end up like, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. And then, of course, you're going to not keep it together. You know, you're going to slip drinking. But I just got to get, I just got to get better. I don't know. No, it's good, man. It's good. It's good. You're, you're, you're letting it out now. Too. Strange. Yeah. You don't smoke by any chance. Either. I have Speaking these, of cancer. I have these nicotine things. What is that? It's just a nicotine. I'm quitting vaping. Oh, really? So now I'm vaping. doing these Zin. <laughs> Zin. Is it really called Zin? Sponsor us. Brought to you by Jesus Christ. Brought to you by Zin. You want one of these? <laughs> no. It's heavy nicotine. No, I'm good. I have a smoke. I'm going to take one. Oh, okay. Did, I don't would know that if, be feasible if I had a smoke? Uh, just like two seconds? Yeah, I guess so. I, hate, I, hate to be a, a, I hate to be that person. Go. Just, You're all right. Just anytime we talk about cancer, I'm like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> a little nicotine would get. It seems uh, what are you counter counterintuitive? Right? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Egg. Go for it. Is go. it okay? Yeah, I promise it'll be not even yeah, five yeah. minutes. I just need one quick puff and I'm go for That's it. That's fine. Just I go apologize. up the stairs. I, you know, I've never like this is so weird. I think I've never talked about any of this stuff. Like this well, is the weirdest like talk I've ever had. It's like it's I'm actually fun. like talking about things. Like I feel That's like I'm talking to a friend. You know? That's great. Well, it's really weird. yeah. Well, I feel like we're friends. We are friends. You know. New it's friends. It's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I normally would be very guarded. Well, I'm glad you're not. This guy is mine. <laughs> right, Let's write a song. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. That'd be great. And that'd we're be back. beyond cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get over my nervousness, though. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> that would be brilliant, man. I would love it. You want to hear the fan question? Uh, what's the fan question? Uh, a fan of his send, send a question. Oh, okay. Um, shout out Frank Deriso. The first Remy Zero CD from 1996, opening track, Temenos. Mm -hmm. Is that how you pronounce Here that? Here come the shakes. Among others, is somewhat reminiscent, to him at least, of a late 60s popular psychedelia, but with a modern sense of urgency intensity. Can you elaborate on the home recording process employed in those? formative years and share any creative influences from that time the first recording from that period 
were done in rural Alabama. Did you did that location impact the songs differently from the Hollywood era of Villa Elaine recordings in 1998? Yes. I mean, that's amazing, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we are very, very highly cognizant of, like, your area. That influences me in any kind of situation. So even where you're, like, Villa Elaine, we named it after where we live. So depending on the situation, it's very, you know, you feed on your, the people around you and, and the world around you. Um, as far as the recording, I mean, that was done, you know, on those little, um, the A-track. Well, the, by that point, we had had the, the two-inch. Um, uh, my brother wrote that little, that, it's really complicated to play. But it was really cool. Uh, that was mostly his, his tune. And then uh, this guy, uh, Lewis, was playing drums on that. He lived here for a while. He plays, uh, he played with a bunch of, he played with us for a long time. He was our drummer up until um, the end of that record. The first one. The first two, the, the one, the Capitol record he was, and um, the uh, first, the first Geffen record he was, our drummer. And um, he was a great drummer, he kind of, he made things come alive like that. He was like one of those drummers that uh, play musically, you know, like tonal somehow, it seemed melodic. Even I love though. those kind. Yeah. Big Star had that. Uh, great. They, and they, they, even like you get drummers like uh, the guy from Ride was a great drummer, and the guys like the guys from uh, the Walkman, you know, they're, the enthusiasm is more important than the the, mm -hmm. the beat. It's just I love that. Enthusiasm is the most important thing. Right. It's so brilliant to see that kind of either even if you play the ability to play simply or to play phonetically are both equally complicated. You know, to mm -hmm. be able to just sit into a groove is just equally as hard for some reason without sitting and working on paradiddles all day. But yeah, he was amazing. They were all great. I, I I don't know what to expand on that. I just the the gear was very important. I mean, we are so like the, when we did the Spartan record, it was uh, decided that we were only going to use what was in this little our little shed, and so we had guitars that had four strings, but we just had to use that, you know. And so we each took our little computers separately, and we had to use whatever was around. We didn't buy instruments, and we didn't, you know, even some of them weren't even tuned. We had to just tune it around it, you know. But, uh, you weren't allowed to tune the instruments. Well, no, we did, and uh, but there was there was a certain song on there where we just literally had you know you drop the guitar and to see where it, where it hits and you have to write it on it. And it was just really it was a fun time to do stuff like that, little games. And that was when I first started doing tunings. And so now every I can't even remember the tuning, so I have to relearn all these songs. But I would just start it you know standard and just work my way down or way up, and you write a song because it's brand new. Even the, when you learn it, it's just. There's, what seven notes really right but it's it sounds different you approach it different yeah. other people's guitars are great i love that other people's instruments just are so much better than the one you're used to you know? yeah i don't know how to uh, <laughs> what are the early influences for you personally oh uh musically well we were always at such a dramatic different my brother was over here and, and stuff that you know because he's my older brother was kind of um, into things that maybe I just missed and he would kind of filter down to me and then vice versa. I was in stuff that he wasn't into. I was into this new kind of thing, you know. What were you into? Well, I mean, my, my coming of age, besides like everyone I think starts with being obsessed with the Beatles or, mm -hmm. you know, the Hank Williams. Not everyone. Our last guest never has never heard <laughs> no, a Beatles song. Say, except for Danny Bland. <laughs> wait, excuse me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. I don't, uh, wait, what? Yeah, I know. It's a, it's. It's a, it's a I, little hard to fathom. You can't not hear a Beatles song. Yeah. I heard the Beatles when I was five, and I mean, every commercial has a Beatles. I mean, he claims he's never heard a Beatles song. Shout out Danny Bland. Shout out Danny Bland. <laughs> great now, guy. Now, what does he do? Great writer. Oh, he's a writer? He's a, a tour great manager. writer. He's a tour manager? Yeah, and a great writer. I don't buy that. 
<laughs> it, a I, tour I, manager I, not hearing a Beatles song? Let's leave it. Let's, let's leave, leave it. it. All right. No, I'm down. That's cool. That's cool. I'm trying to think of a delicate way of asking you about Alyssa Milano. Is that, uh, yeah, is she's that, awesome. Yeah. Is that off base? No, not or? at all. Clearly nothing's off base. I'm talking about crack cocaine and all this. So shit. I didn't we didn't know about crack. <laughs> no, I just I was trying to say <laughs> well, it, it was, Alyssa can wait. It was talk. crack. No, no, just I mean I was trying to say coke drugs and it came out that way. So that but but I'm not just wanting like kind of like uh, you know, sort of gossipy tales. Right. What I, I I'm more interested in it from the aspect of, you know, the like living that that life that elevated it was, life yeah, it was and then weird. you meet like a celebrity and you start dating and then you get married and it was the polar opposite you know we were living at the villa lane and we had no beds you know i slept on a sheet and we it was just a lot of people there we were uh barely getting i mean we would get cds from geffen and then go sell them at the the place and get that go get a burrito you know? mm-hmm. that's how we live they give away free promotional cds and that was our job but uh thank you by the way Geffen. um it was great. I mean, uh, it was really weird. It was a weird thing to go from this to that. So suddenly you're being uh, photographed coming out of a store or there's all these like rumors afoot or, you know, next thing you know, you go, it's like, hey, let's go see a show. And you have, you can't just say, let's go see a show. You have to plan, you know, how you're going to get over here. It's just, it was just really weird. Yeah. But um, where'd you meet her? Adams. Uh-huh. <laughs> at Adams' house. <laughs> right. I was, I was living at his house and they, she came over there one day and they were all, and you know, I was like, I, you know, I, that was all the upper echelons. I was just kind of like, you guys want a refresher on your soda or whatever. <laughs> and how, how, long, how long were you dating before you guys decided to get married? Mm, maybe about a, almost a year, maybe. Wow. Or maybe less than that, actually. A lot less than that. Maybe like six months or something. Six months. So you was, know, I don't, it's so vague. I don't remember a lot of times back then. But then it shifted after you got married and it went kind yeah, of dark. It, it, it did. Uh, but for no, there was no... Um, uh, there was no, there's no acrimony, at least on my, I have no acrimony on that at all. Um, she was, she's amazing. She's a really cool girl and stuff. And, um, I just, I can't re- you know, honestly, it's not like I'm trying to dissuade. I just don't remember a lot of things back in that right. era. And, uh, even like the stuff like we we're talking about, like drugs and stuff that wasn't, it's like, those are the stories that pop up really the majority of time is, you know, that quote that's like life, what's happens when you're busy making plans, you know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. The majority of time. John Lennon. Yep. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, there, but that, uh, that those, there were majority of times were these kind of really great times. And, you know, in a normal day, you might be miserable cause you're broke, but you could have so many little moments that were awesome. It's not related to like any kind of craziness or, you know, so it, it, yeah. it seems like it, we were never like the wild party band. I, now, and maybe we were, but I just didn't see it that way. I thought we were just really, we're neat, you know. We'd go camping along the way of tour bus, you know, tourists, right. but we'd also make sure we all did these cool adventures and stuff. And I miss that. I do, I have this soft spot for that. I liked experiencing places for the first time with, for a reason. Like, I don't like the idea of vacationing, like going, hey, let's go see this place. Yeah, but if pre- you're there for a reason. Premeditated fun right. sucks. It's terrible. It's yeah. like every day is like New Year's where it's like, this is not going to work, man. Right. When you just go and you're all there as a unit, and it's not just with the band, although that's a special thing. Going there with friends, but you're doing for a reason. You're playing a show, but and that's amazing. But you know, just all these little moments of like we all meet up somewhere, or go say, "Oh, let's go over here." There's just so many small moments that mm-hmm. aren't related to drugs or not related to anything. And right. But even with, um, but of course, then that's how I'm seeing it <laughs> from other people's eyes. It's probably like, yeah, you have a problem. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that, but the same thing with that is what I mean is that. 
there was a lot of little moments in between that made up really great, you know. Right. And um, I have nothing but you know positives with that. I, I don't I don't know how to Do expand you think on you, that. But like, have have you ever been like? I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out if you've like dealt with like toxic relationships that have brought you down. Yeah. Yeah. That's where right. I'm trying to go. Have I not been in one? <laughs> no, or like, yeah, or like, or like, have have you dealt with that? Yes. And are and do you work and, on that? And are you is that a part of your self work? I yes, and I always I've never see anyone else as the problem. It's always I've always said it's somehow if something doesn't work out, it's my fault. You know, so I've it seems unhealthy, and it it is to a degree. But now I'm turning it into something positive where I'm saying. You know, if I have a problem, it's my problem, no matter what it is. So I have to, like, be cognizant of that. So I have, I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong, but it was the combination that you, that third person that is created when two people come together, you know, that, that, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like mixing, you know, yellow and blue, you know, that you become green if you allow yourself to kind of mingle. And, um, but then other colors just become black, you know, and they were, they were better off on their own. And, um, there's, I've, I'll have a lot of those. You know, well, but. what happens is you get love bombed, you right. know, where it's <laughs> exactly. a love bomb, right. and then the slowly the abuse happens, and it's right. a sweet mean cycle. Yeah, right. And then like, but then it comes back to the love bomb, and mm -hmm. it's like it's it's very much like a drug addiction. Yeah, extremely. And it creates a trauma bond. And then it levels out, and then you only you you need those spikes, you know. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of remind you, it's like this is a good idea. Yeah, but those those things. I mean, I always, always, my whole, all relationships like that, I always, to my own fault, had one foot out the door from the beginning. Mm. You know, I mean, I could even distinctly remember relationships where I thought, wow, this person is going to make me miserable. And I would like a moth to a flame, you know. Well, a, a toxic relationship can make you physically sick, too. Yep. Very much so. You know. Very much so. I mean, it's something that you have to definitely. And, uh, you know, I think, too, it's where you have issues relate to kind of who you are like certain things like people who have heart issues could very well have a heart you know and the esoteric issue along with the physicality you know i think yeah. it starts in the ether and works its way in you know yeah so I, I definitely agree with that do you ever research anything about narcissistic personality disorder no i haven't i mean i, I understand what that is but i haven't yeah I'd like to what, what expand. Well, it's it's a community on expand. on largely on YouTube of people that just like dissect all aspects of toxic relationships. Right. Oh wow! And uh, it's just it's that fascinating yeah. because you know we have interspecies predators amongst us, you know, and right. that's the whole idea. There's like manipulation right. at hand, and and it it plays on you know your vulnerabilities. Yep. Even and, down to the psychic vampire aspect, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that oh yeah, sure. Doing it. Absolutely, right. yeah. And even when not in reference to, but like something like uh, being in situations where, I mean, it was strange for me and, and, and Alyssa too because we we're in two different stations. You know, it's like right. You know, I I just I didn't belong in that world. I don't think. Um, and she was amazing. You know, she was she was very kind. Everybody, her family is kind. Everybody's nice. But I, uh, I don't know. I just try to look everything back is it what did i do wrong you know to, to create something bad well that's ultimately where you have to go right. but but on the way there there's also dissecting right a potentially <laughs> abusive toxic situation yeah. and and that can't just be all like right from the jump oh it's all me and because yeah. you're you're leapfrogging to a period like that's that's when you're deeply healing right when right, you can, when, right, you can right. when you can take it all back in on yourself 
and and understand that you are responsible for everything yeah. in your field of consciousness, which is the ultimate truth. Right. But to get there, you can't skip the steps. You have to kind of analyze the situation and and understand. And I am kind of easily, uh, easily kind of falling into things. You know, I kind of yeah. easily go into things, kind of boundaries. Yeah, and, and I can easily be kind of like. You know, you go over there and I say, okay, you know, without thinking, oh, no, I want to do, you know, I can easily like moved. Right. Know? And people will do all kinds of wild stuff to manipulate and control. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I feel like this instinct to talk to you about this. <laughs> no, I need to go on. <laughs> you know, do I pay you or how did, because I just, <laughs> we were talking about therapy. I just, an hour time, I'm in. This session is free. Right. First, first one's free. One's free <laughs> dude. I need more to talk. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it's something you maybe want to research on YouTube. I will it, actually. It's, it's, there's so much information about it and it can, you could just like, I really you need know, that put, put NPD in the search right. engine and it's like, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, validating and revelatory. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it opens your mind up to, to things. I really need to, I, you know, I, I am going to check that out. Yeah, um, I could send you stuff too. Yeah, what I was gonna say is that yeah, there, yeah, is that newly, I, I research it. Well, I've dealt with it for years, right? But yeah, it's something that can recur, right? Okay. And um, I don't know, mean to pry. I just yeah, you can let that. your guard down, right? And, you know, the, you know, it's the same thing with with uh, drug addiction. Right. You know, it's a you can relapse. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. You know, you can find yourself in a those pick, triggers come yeah. in a pickle, yeah, so to speak. <laughs> that applies yeah. to many. <laughs> yeah. So what? Ha so you're just now coming back into a new, a new, a new form of creativity now, like yeah. with painting and with yeah. music and I stuff feel like great. that. Yeah, like, I'm really inspired. What? Um, how long has that been going on for? Well, you know, since I've been here recently, um, I have met some guys down in. Um, uh, Belmar, I think it's Belmar, or it's near, um, what's the other famous, Asbury, it's near that, it's Belmar, there's one other name uh, for that area there, and um, these guys are amazing, uh, there's a guy, Raymond, and Mike, and Piz, and these guys, and Paul, I kind of met these guys through a friend of mine, and um, I just started playing, and it felt so good to be in a band dynamic, I'm, I'm, I'm a good co-conspirator, like, I like to be mm -hmm. part of that, you know, because it, it gives me a chance to kind of not sit there and handle it you know i like to just just sing be a singer you know right and i think you know a lot of the instruments and things i learned i learned out of necessity i i had to do that you know no one's gonna i had to do it you know so that was cool and uh i'm really excited by that uh we really clicked and you know we were playing some shows and stuff and we had you know the, the, guys the labels and things. yes yes that yeah. sounded great that, and they were that so session sweet. he did yeah with you, yeah that, was, that like you should do a record like that well that's what we were working on and then the I COVID mean, thing happened these guys are real sweethearts i love that so in the meantime i'm doing a lot of solo stuff there's more of um just me you know sitting in the room just very simplified and just kind of doing stuff i can but I just missed that. It was so fun to play. Those guys were so sweet. And it just, I love it. Do you want to yeah. release an album soon? Yeah, yeah. That's what we're, we, I mean, we were almost, we were in the middle of it. Our publishing just reverted back to us on the 31st, the Remy Zero publishing. So, uh, who's we're, us? Uh, the band. It, it came, it's now, it's, it was with Warner Chapel. Now it's ours. So we're debating, you know, who to go with, um, different reissue uh, and yeah. stuff. Well, who, who we're going to, yeah, who we can sign now a new publishing deal. It's all ours now. Wow. So we're going to sign a publish, either stay with Warner or go with some other options. And, um, there's some other options that I'm talking to that also want to do, um, be, besides the catalog 
um, do some stuff with me in the band, you know. So we would have our, our separate thing where it's um, personal solo stuff. It's just freedom, you know, because I want to produce things. And so these guys, some people I was talking to have that ability. They have labels that they're, you know, and part of this bigger company. And um, it's, it's exciting for me because it, it allows me the opportunity because I think I'm good with working with bands, you know, especially because coming out of where I am, I can kind of help people see what's really cool about them, you know, hopefully. And I want to do movie music. and so There's so many things I want to do. But yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, long story. Um, yeah, we, I want to do a record with them and then just do release a bunch of little solo things. I love those guys. Yeah, working with a band, it's like it's great. Uh, if you get a like a magical chemistry going on, there's nothing better than that. It's brilliant. It's just... <clears throat> and we, we, they were playing, and <clears throat> we started playing a couple of these new songs, and just to be a singer for a minute yeah. was so cool because when you're alone, you don't get that. You know, you can record it and then come back and sing, but to just play and just let the vocal guy, like I see it rise or fall, and it's like, okay, cool, let's go this way. And when everyone's in succinct, you know, you can almost do it by body language. You know, they can tell when something's going to rise, fall, or go left or right. And it's just so fun, man. I, I miss it so badly. I learned something from Brian Eno that was. Um when when he sang on my record, fuck the, you! The way, I can't believe it. hearing you say that alone just kind of knocked me off. Hearing yeah. something I learned from Brian Eno when he sang on my record, well, that's he, brilliant. He did this thing where he wouldn't want to listen to the song at all. His his he wanted his first impression to be recorded. Brilliant. And so in this new project I'm working on, that's been my main rule: is I don't I don't listen to it at all until I'm recording. Right. And so that's I get so cool. I get like. You know, in the inv the invention as you're like reacting in yep. real time, and knowing that you're recording makes yeah. you kind of go for it in that way to try to make something work, and that's how the way I've been writing on this thing. And it's, it's true, been you can feel so, it. It's been so successful in a way, like to do it that way. It's just it's something too you can sense on the record when someone does that you can it feels dangerous and you don't know yeah. why even if it's just there's something like i mean i never use cool. the first take or <clears throat> right, anything right. it's just like phonetic sounds right. Me and too. melodic impressions and rhythms and stuff like that and then i develop it like i i do like you know 10 takes and by the time i'm on my 10th take like there's lyrics going right. on and there's actually like <clears throat> that's how i write know. it's just with the with the computer i mean with the the tape or whatever yeah but you know it's great because sometimes it can go either way sometimes something starts off brilliant and it can be worked to death right or something and you have to go back and think wait this was actually cooler follow that train you know yeah and that's great because those little improv things set the meter you know it gets something that spills in a certain way yeah like vocalist you know and uh I missed that. It's so great. That's a, such a great idea. Yeah, so that's a good one. And the that's other, interesting. That's the other fun. thing I was doing was not being precious with the words. Like just the idea was to get it done. That I love and that. Then, and then just write word. I mean, I don't can't be do lazy. That. I wish I could. You're good at that. <clears throat> yeah, I was. I was doing that, and and I was thinking, okay, there's like some throwaway lines here and there, like oh that one. But then when I like went back and listened to it after I had gone through and done like, I don't know, 12 or 15 songs. Right. I was surprised at how much I actually liked the lyrics. Even like, you know, there's something about it, like the whole That's thing. Cool. Like, it captures the subconscious when and you, when you approach right. it that way. And I, yeah, that's so brilliant because that's something I've just, exactly what you said, it's something I've been trying to do. Uh, I'm just so hyper-conscious. It's really hard for me when I start thinking lyrics. I'm just terrible at it because everything has to be, it's, well, when you I'm create your reality, so if you keep telling yourself you're terrible right, at right. it, I know. you'll it's manifest <laughs> that. <laughs> like, but some of the better things I've done is when it's either improv and I stick with just that melody, and um, 
or some sometimes I've written lyrics first, which is really interesting. You know, it's really uh, like. But for me, I'd write the, if you get one line that has some kind of something to it. It feels like to me, if something hits you on that one line, it's almost like the rest of the song flushes itself out. There's got to be some kind of thing. So every other line, whether it made sense or not, you would give room for like this, the creative to to some. You know, if you mentally say this makes sense and this makes sense, it comes stilted. Mm-hmm. So I'd always leave like a couple lines where it's just like anything. You know, for like I hate to say poetic, but something. You know, some kind of line that you leave in, but even though it doesn't make sense to you at the moment, in retrospect it feels like someone else was writing a song. It's like, oh, that makes, that's smarter than I could have done, you know, like consciously. Sometimes right. when I think this is really great, it's just, okay, A met B and D, you know. But right. when you leave this room for the spirit to ha- to activate, you know, just get out of the way and let it happen, I think that's great. And I'm really trying to do that a lot. But that, that's great. I, are you doing that successfully right now? Yeah. Because it's hard. I, it's really been great. <clears throat> that's I mean, brilliant. You know, the music they've been sending me is incredible, too. Got to so hear this, too. Man. I'm excited. Yeah. I so can't wait. That helps, but obviously. You know. Well, I want to hear the solo stuff, too. I mean, is that, are you applying it to that, too? No, the solo stuff is approached differently. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, because you're involved from the jump. Right. So it's have. hard to be, like, surprised at where right. you're going. But um, do you think, like, that's cool. your songwriting and lyric writing has been like prophetic like if have you like written things that and then they happen 10 years later even down to cancer i know because i was listening to uh i was thinking about that when i was listening to villa elaine there was something about being healthy and this that and the other and i was like i wonder if he a lot of stuff happened with that and right after the band broke up i I wrote a few songs that i haven't released that like literally to the point about carving out cancer and and the whole situation that before you had cancer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of, the, and that That's applies wild. also to relationships that have That's happened. That's insane. You have a Seeing lyric the, about carving oh, yeah. out cancer. Carving out cancer and like how leaving the world and because I was, you know, just, it's called unearthing. And it was really, I was shocked. The whole thing was about literally what's happened to me, about the death and burial and rebirth and all that stuff. And uh, I, it also applies to relationships where I've been shocked. And that's why I was saying leaving room because when I let stuff happen, just kind of like on an artistic side, Later, I'll go back and say, like, holy crap, you know, that literally happened at the time. You didn't see it. Like, it can, it can sense the end of a relationship or the end of this or mm-hmm. someone passing long before you can. It's like when you let go, you invite genius in. <laughs> right? Exactly. Get out of the way of it. <laughs> That's yeah. brilliant. I like that. Yeah. That's so like so what are the lyrics that predicted the... What's the line? Well, just um, this whole thing about carving out the cancer and the, the star held up with wire and steel and all the two... And it mentions all the tubes being held together and... And it talk, the whole thing is about the end of the band and about just the death of it, as if it was a person. I think it's because time is an illusion and everything is happening at now. At the same time. At the same right. time. So you can, like, visit your future. And physics, you know, are close to proving that, you know. Right. Outside of that time. It's hard for people to conceive of something that could exist forever outside of there is no... If time is some kind of construct, thanks mm-hmm. to what um, uh, the gravity and the torsion of, the, you know, electromagnets... This is brilliant that, to now, think of that communication d- dimensionally, you know? And when you know that, do you ever, like, think of a line and then it's a really good line, but it's saying something dark and tragic yep. to, about you, maybe, mm-hmm. that you think, maybe I shouldn't write that line? A lot. A lot of Dude, times. A lot me of times. Too. Not just one or twice, a lot of times. Yeah, and then... Or you don't want someone so else he, to hear it, you're like, hey. Here's the question. 
Do you go ahead and write it down or do you not write it down? Oh, I write it down. I, I write it down too. And I don't know if it's going to end, but I write it down. Because <laughs> it's usually a really good time. It's like, I oh. know. So it's like, I'll like, I'll like forfeit my personal safety <laughs> for a good line. <laughs> I know. I'm like, are you crazy? Why are you writing right? this down? Even like, the fear of like, am I going to make this happen? I mean, it gets me in right. spirals. Like, am I saying this, making it happen or whatever? Yeah. But it's, it's usually, if it was throwaway, it's one thing, but it's usually like, damn, it just fits so perfect. So you I, just got to keep it in. I you know? know. I'll sometimes debate it, dog. Like, oh, I, I hear the line and i go no nah, i'm not writing that. i know i know i'll like sit there and like mm-hmm. talk, argue with the creative <laughs> right, voice right. like nah bro no, i'm gonna like, do that it's like, go ahead give me another one like some uplifting one, shit right. like i don't want to go in this direction <laughs> and it'll just be like blank I nope know, right. you gotta write it down <laughs> write it down to sunshine peppermint and rainbows what <laughs> this isn't about unicorns at all <laughs> That's brilliant, man. You know, it's, that's something, too, that only when you're in the thick of it that would, you would understand. You know, you can't mm-hmm. explain that to someone else who's right. not in that. Yeah. It's only in that situation where it's like, it, it would almost be passing to uh, someone else. But, like, when you're in that thick, you're like, man, you don't realize how heavy that is. That lingers on your fucking head for days, you know. Oh, yeah. It's especially, not just casual. Especially when you have experience of creating, of knowing that you have predicted situations oh, yeah. in your life. That what? and throwaway songs where you're kind of like, I didn't think about it. And then it's like, oh, man, says something heavy. And it suddenly becomes like one that everyone likes. And you're just like, oh, man, you know, it's dark. What's fatherhood taught you? I don't know, man. I have to say, I never would have a million years thought I would be. I, I just was not geared towards that. And I'm the coolest father, man. I'm, I just, that, surprisingly, I can get down on myself for everything. But I'm, I'm the coolest father, man. And I, I have, I'm too busy even enjoying it day day by day to even have formulated something because it's so new every minute you know it's so consistently new it's like and you know it's a combination of things i just luckily me and him clicked in a way and it's just like it's just fascinating i know i go on about it but it's just it's just insanity what's insane about it i mean just to, to see this this little monkey coming and becoming cognizant and suddenly you see personality develop then you see little things of them you know doing these things like i came back after i was gone for a while and he had sat and you know he's five and is working out guitar like really not just kid playing like working out pianos and drawing and it's just so to see him seriously doing that and it's just so proud that's great man i don't know that's one thing i'm like i never wanted in a million years and now i could never imagine it without i know everybody says that but Right. It's just absolutely brilliant. You, and I'm a good father, man. I'm awesome. That's one thing I know how uh, somehow I know how to handle it. Really? I think just years of I don't know. I was about to make a bad joke and then I didn't want anybody to hear it, so <laughs> years of fucking around. <laughs> yeah, and just constant <laughs> relationship abuse and misery. <laughs> mm. No, it's good, man. Were you terrified when you found out that your wife was pregnant? Yeah. Um, terrified and um, not terrified is not the word. Just you know when that when something you haven't decided if it's good or bad, you're like, uh, just like oh shit, this is heavy. You know this right. is big. And in the concert with the other stuff going on, it's like it almost gets to the point where you start laughing. It's like this cannot be real. Right. It's like every single thing at one period. It's like when it becomes almost comedic, then it helps you deal with like the insanity. Because usually it'll come like one thing. It's like oh man, it's terrible. What? What? No way. And just so many things that just kind of collapse. Turn out great. They're not really good. I've been learning how to let go of uh, being attached to outcome. Right. That's hard. That's been... That's hard. Yeah. Is this a new thing also? Yeah. 
Learning how to let go of being attached to outcome. What does because, that mean? Well, because if you're attached to the That's outcome, you uh, you induce suffering. Mm-hmm. The yeah. outcome. Give me an example. Like if you want something to go down a certain way, and it doesn't. Or you're just, or you don't even know if it's gonna go down that way or not. You're just like attached to right. something you can't control going away. That's like you know. That's the core Buddhist principle. You're, all yeah. suffering is aversion or attraction. You're right. either going towards something or not wanting it to happen. It's the the seed of all suffering in this world. Right. <clears throat> and it's true, man. It's hard to let go of that. It's really hard to let go. <laughs> yeah, it's like the work of a lifetime. What got right. you into Buddhism? Um, I don't know. Just you kind of fell into probably it. Probably Buddhism got you into <laughs> Buddhism. Punished the wow. <laughs> That was my first movie. <laughs> it was on the set of one of these things. I was doing Marines Don't Kiss Part 7, and there it was. Now uh, we're back at the uh, at Adam's house yeah. in a porno and a mound of cocaine. <laughs> he was. No, no. I don't want that to sound No. <laughs> Shout out Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, edits. No, it wasn't at his house. I'm just saying he no. just, yeah. So what got you into it? Um, I don't know. You know, it was early on. It's that period when you're young and you're just reading a lot. You're trying to figure out your way, you know, and you're like, you have no idea. You know, everybody's reading from everything from the dark, you know, Western things of like Sartre and stuff. And then you're reading the Eastern philosophy. It's just when everybody goes to their natural search. But somehow that stuck. And I saw like some of the nicest Christians were Buddhists. <laughs> Down in the south, some of the nicest people were that who lived those kind of ideals were in that room, and I like the fact that they 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 literally don't want you to join. They're <laughs> just like you know, if take take whatever wisdom you know it might help you, but don't convert. Stay with what you are. Just take what you can. You know, hmm. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, I like that. That's attractive. And you know, there's a right, and there's a great thing about the uh, about what they say is if you want something really bad, like one of the things to do is focus on it, set your intention, then you have to just forget about it. It's by harping on it and, and, and that things go south. You yeah, know? you push it away. Yeah, getting your you just, it applies the same of just give, you got to leave room for these things. You know, purposely make yourself uh, I say dumb, but in a good way. Purposely make yourself thin. That's just saying mm. that's outside of my wheelhouse. You know, that's bigger than mine. Like I can't master that, so I'm gonna let that just be. Because I've noticed, like when I strive to master all the angles, it leads to nothing but frustration. Now it's closer to what you want, which is great. You just got to know that balance, I guess. Which I have not, have not mastered at all. None of us. No, have, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody else. It all here sounds good, but anyway, yeah, where's n- the drink? Nobody's <laughs> mastered it. You write poetry? Um, not really poetry. I write and just let things freeform, just for the fun of it. You know? uh-huh. And I'll write like songs, but I write. I think of them as songs, but I'll just write long things. We could never be songs, but I just like. I like the flow of ideas in certain lines. That I'm, I love words, man. Maybe they're. Maybe you're a poet. I. I yeah. I've always have a knee-jerk fear of the word poetry but why i don't know i i, I don't and i'm just like whatever <laughs> that's I, cool though I, yeah i gotta get over it i just feel like who cares right like I, like what like even like i would never call myself a poet why not just call it like <laughs> who gives a fuck why you're not? you're putting too much import already, right. already. you're yeah. the one who's got you're you're the one right. who's pretentious about poetry right. then because i'm bringing that issue issue to it right it's innocent, it, do, yeah. it doesn't have that right. issue it's yeah, just great. it's yeah. just fun with words see that i do i love words and i play yeah. with it constantly i always try to think of other ways to say the simplest thing and I, it's just it's fun and when you get on a roll, I could write notebook after notebook of just craziness. And you read a lot? Oh, yeah. Who's your favorites? Um, as far as, like, nonfiction? Writers or whatever. Anything. Right now, uh, uh, 
um, Mirakami right now I love. Yukio Mirakami. He did um, 1984 IQ, you know, and he did... Uh, 1984 IQ. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's... Uh, 1984, but it's spelled 198 IQ. It looks like IQ. Huh. It's it's he's brilliant. He's a Japanese writer, and I just can't get enough of him. He's amazing, amazing, amazing. What what he did, kind um, of stuff is it? The Wind Up Bird Chronicles and uh, Kafka on the Shore. It's it's just so surreal. It's just so surreal. He plays with time and all these weird things, but it's just telling a story. But he does it in a way that's not laborious to read. You know, right. it's just great, man. He's cool, real easy to read, but still. There's depth and lightness. It's What's just great, the best? Man. If I want to read one, what should I start with? Well, I got um, what was the first one? I got? I got pulled in on some of the smaller ones that I thought were just really great because he just it captures this world really great. But then the bigger ones I just loved are his like classics. I mean, Wind Up Bird Chronicles. What the one right before that? You know, I'll I'll find one. There's one that I know that would that was my entrance to it. Yeah. That I love. What are you listening to right now? Do you have any external? You talk. I mean, you talking uh, about uh, Yeah, at the moment. <laughs> We're both well, listening to you, and, too. And Remy Zero. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I apologize. No, Where, I was, where's the name dude, come from? Dude, honestly, hold on. I was like, uh, you know, I ride that skateboard all over the city. Oh, no it's way. an electric skateboard. It's oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. And just jamming to Remy Zero on the way here and on the way from Brooklyn. It's killer for that. Oh, that's awesome. It's like epic. It, it helps with that's an cool. epic skate skate that's great man yeah, that's yeah, awesome yeah. your that music happy. goes really good with that that's cool yeah i want one of the skateboards man that sounds cool oh that's the best thing right. ever it makes it makes going to wherever you're going yeah the funnest part of whatever you're gonna do yeah it's my favorite part is being in a car is it's just being able to sit there and just see things go by or seeing mm-hmm. you know sitting in a car alone i just sit there for hours but having that kind of view but so the I can skateboard you're it's carving right? it's like you're surfing in the oh, city wow. yeah it's like surfing that's great. Yeah. Well, I got to try that. Yeah. Where did the name come from? Um, my brother. Brother came up with it. His, it was actually his name before we were a band. He changed his name to that when he was really, really young. Oh. And, uh, like I, his actual name. Yeah. He, before there was even what a band. What is his name? Remy Zero, but it was Shelby. Shelby. It was his original name. Oh. Shelby Ray. Does he go by Remy Zero now? He vacillates, you know, back and forth. Um, but it's his legal name. Uh. You know, it's there's been so many radiations about how that's happened. I always thought it was that, uh, like I, I was. There's a lot of different things. I thought it was a um, um, Kate Bush song, "Army Dreamers," where it goes, "Mommy's hero," but I thought it said, "Ah, Ramsey's hero." But I, I have no idea. But it could have been anything. What's your sister's name? Rachel. Oh, she got a normal name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're Sinjin. August Sinjin Tate. Shelby, and then she's Rachel. Rachel Gale. She have any kids? Yes, she has two ki- two children, oh, and cool. um, her daughter has uh, a child. Has two children. They're yeah. all living with my mom in, in Nashville. So or, you're um, you're a great uncle then. Yeah, I am a great uncle, but yeah. I am a, a uncle many times over. And my other brother, has, they all have children. I'm the only one who has like one kid. Right. I'm, but I I want a lot more. My wife doesn't want any, so I have to figure that out. You're somewhere. out of luck, buddy. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to South America? Uh, <laughs> kidding, kidding, absolutely kidding, 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 joke. Uh, so when, how long have you been painting for? All my life. I, lo- I love that because painting, it, it, that's yeah, what's freedom. Yeah, good. Because you don't feel any pressure for that, so I just paint tactile. You know, I would never say I'm a painter, but I yeah. love it. 
Because like, with I this, see I won't say I'm a painter. I won't say I'm a poet. Who <laughs> well, cares? Right. It should, it you paint. You're a painter. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I am. Quit putting so much importance <laughs> on it. That's I would true. call myself a walker, it but I do walk. Yeah. yeah, I love it, man. It's it's frees me up so much. You paint. You paint. You're a painter. You're a fucking painter. <laughs> yeah. You when sing. I'm ma- making music or writing, fucking I have singer. stuff everywhere and paint you write lyrics. <laughs> you're a fucking poet. It's like I'm a dancer, a walker. Exactly. A sleeper. A smoker, a toker, uh, a midnight, a, joker. a midnight. What's uh, what is the lyric? A uh, joker, I thought. Midnight a midnight joker, joker right? Yeah. There you go. I'm a boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say boom after you butcher. Yeah, right. yeah, no. <laughs> Drop, no mics were dropped in this. You don't get to yeah. drop a mic <laughs> after like what's it? At least uh, I picked up joker. on it. Yeah, I do. You caught it. That was good. I mean, say. that's fine, but don't give us a boom afterwards. Fuck. No bang, but more of a whimper. I could call myself whatever I want. Boom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So what's left? Well, I think we've thank covered. You, Frank has one last question. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. What is it? And then we could wrap it up. Um, there is a sense of haunting fragility weaved through most of the vocal performances, and it is absolutely beautiful. Uh-huh. Where you. do you draw this inspiration from? Mm. That's for one. That that means the world to me. So thank you very much for that. Thank really you, Frank. Yeah, oh, it's it true though. Your That's music beautiful. does possess that. It's that it's, means uh, the world to it's me. emotional. It gives you uh, chills. You know, it's it's. I've always it's weird. I always thought of my, I emotions as a liability. I always felt like it was, uh, but I don't. Wait, what do you mean by that? Well, I just always thought like I was, and you know, I, I I've been accused of it too. Just like somehow, I'd be guided by emotions. Like sometimes I'll write songs and I think, man almost like embarrassed by a song. And then it's like, well, I did this song. But it turns out to be something that they liked. And I always tell if I'm onto something good, if it's, it's embarrassing. Because it makes you vulnerable. Yeah, if, if you're like, embarrassing or you don't like it. Right, and you open it. So uh, I, I don't I don't know. I, I just try to follow my intuition on that. And, you know, I, I've always felt like I sing for ghosts. Like I always felt like my only reason for being here is not even to sing for people. But, I mean, in a way, we're all ghosts. But I, early on in my childhood, I just had this image that I just sing for ghosts, that I sing for, and not applied to spirits or whatever, but, or just broken, or I don't know. I just felt like, or maybe ghosts to my family. I felt like I sang for a lot of people in my DNA that couldn't, mm-hmm. like a lot of my, my, take my family back and it gets kind of sadder and sadder as it goes back, my DNA, my genetic lineage. In so what, I feel like what, I sang for What does it get sadder? Well, it's just I, a lot of people. There was a lot of uh, singers and artists and stuff who never got a chance to kind of shine, or ne- or never got their voice heard, or weren't allowed to be due to uh, social constraints at this at the time. When you go back in the '40s, and you know, my my grandmother was this beautiful opera singer, and, but you know, her and my grandfather kind of had to follow certain norms in the '40s and '50s, and and that coupled with sadly addiction. You know, they were alcoholics. You know, mm-hmm. and you know addicts and. You see these kind of broken families as you go back, and we did our lineage, and I, uh, you know, then do a genealogy, and I was thinking, oh, that'd be great. My sister did it, and the only reason she could trace it back because it's distilleries and uh, like backwoods distillers and like lawsuits, like you know, back and forth. This full southern thing. I kept hoping it would be like some kind of regal bloodline but it wasn't but that's regal in its own <laughs> it is, it's that's regal, regal in its own way, its own way yeah. man it, it, like and there's like there's a soul there that's like uh good for you know making music that's true and you, you see that as the black eyes and broken teeth are they they are kind of beautiful in their own quality there's a lot of like that shane mcgowan look <laughs> 
but uh mm-hmm. i i just that's what i was thought i know that sounds like too like esoteric but that's what i've always felt like just 100 uh, percent swear to god like uh i've always felt like that and i just follow my intuition feels like uh, that was like a nick cage movie the ghost singer Oh really? I'm kidding. It was oh. a Ghost Rider. I'm Don't just... you have a song called Ghost? Mm, lots of songs are about ghosts. I want to write something called Ghost Singer based on you. I will. Yeah. My name. <laughs> people always called me Ghost Man because I disappear all the time. But that was meant more as an insult, not as a cool thing. Right. <laughs> Although now I like it. Do you talk to spirits? I talk. No, I don't have the ability to, in terms of like being able cognizant to see mm-hmm. things. I don't have the, the ability to do that. I can sense things, but no, I don't. It's that's not like even the word ghost is even applied less to, you know, ghost catchers or whatever. I just sent me in more in that kind of like these weird old Southern ghosts and old traditions. I feel like even like songs are like 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 ghosts. Like you walk into a, you know they're out there. If I pace around outside and I kind of bump into a song or I bump into an idea and it felt like a ghost, like it would possess me for a minute and go away. But um, no, I don't mean it in terms of being able to say, like, your, your grandmother's here and she's really proud of you. <laughs> right. I wish I did. I don't. I just don't have that. Do you I get don't messages really from, like, the, the universe, say, like, if you're walking down the street and you're thinking of something and then you'll read a sign and it'll be, like, yes. a direct? Yes. I, at all times. Really? And I can also pick up on huge, like, emotional things. Like, <laughs> Lee in Cambodia was dark. I was going to crack a joke. I'm what, sorry. <laughs> what was the joke? <laughs> that he clearly didn't get the sign, the directions to get here properly. Yeah, I can <laughs> pick up. That's right. <laughs> before, the show, before the podcast. Yeah. He missed all the signs to Cafe Bohemia. <laughs> I missed a lot of signs. I have different signs. So you, so you get that all the time, like communication from... Uh, yeah, I just... That's, I... I don't know if I project value onto like randoms, but I don't believe that. I think that I I can tell if something's um, actually res- a message. Right. Yeah, resonant. I mean, it's hard. I don't like talking about because it, it always makes me feel, sound like silly or whatever. But I I, I live on the, that. I live in that ether all my life. Well, I've always lived in that. Zone. Yeah, it's a. I guess it's like a symptom. I because it happens to me too. And I like somebody told me, hey, that's a symptom of psychosis. Right, I know. <laughs> but my father had manic depressive psychosis. But so and okay, it and happened okay. to you with me. Like no. we've seen it. Okay, happen. yeah, fair enough. Okay, but then you're just saying that there is no magic here. Like there's nothing. Like you know what I mean. Right, like right. if you're going to just like uh, put it in that category of like that's just mental illness. Right. That like deflates all like possibility of right. maybe the universe, maybe everything is consciousness, right. and maybe you know, including a sign, including. I agree you completely. Know, and know. and a lot of the people who say that, when you look at their lives, it's like there's a lot within your life that could be defined as insanity. You know, there's certain dysfunctions. A lot of the people who, because you know, my, my father was legitimately had that. He had manic depressive psychosis back in the day. You know, and he right. had to take medicine for it, lithium, and um. You know that runs on both sides of the family, and uh, so I was super scared of that growing up. But yeah. there was a period I was a dark kid, and then suddenly it just went everything that was dark. It's like all things being equal, I choose to go in this direction. And I it think just like changed my life. Being an artist is like uh, dealing with the, the similar, I guess, for lack of a better word, demons in a healthy way. Right. Like it's 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 like uh, going up to the edge, you know. Yeah, and it's translating those things or giving them a space to exist like i mean even yeah. writing even writing poetry it's like it like lines suggest themselves to you where are they coming from right you know and you write something that maybe resonates in a deep way with a lot of other people that maybe you got that line on your way off the cliff 
but you gave them that line so they don't have to go off the cliff. You know, there's a there's a value in that. I think you know. Absolutely. Do you ever listen to Abraham Hicks? No, I haven't heard that. Oh, okay, I want to send you some of that. You've that's, got to. That's Let's trade up information, stuff. man. Oh, for sure. We got to. This Absolutely. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, guys. This has yeah. been brilliant. This has man. been Thank really, this really brilliant. Awesome. I hope you feel good about it. Yeah, this is great, man. This has been yeah. turned out great. I can. I, I felt like we were just talking, not even interviewing. You know, that's what like, we're it doing. It felt really great. I like that. Yeah. Wow, that was cool, man. It was great meeting you. Great it's always to great meet you. Since in August Tate. Thank you very kindly. Hello. Thanks, Ahud. Thank you so much, man. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.